0: We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 86, year three. Today, we're going to be having an interview with poker superstar and my good friend, Daniel Negreanu. Uh, We're going to talk about the World Series of Poker, Daniel's crazy hand on high stakes poker. We're going to talk hockey, sports. Whatever we talk about, we like to shoot the shit. This is going to be a great podcast. Stay tuned. The Mouthpiece is next. What up, what up? Welcome to the Mouthpiece. It's been a good week. Things are going well. The World Series of Poker starts in 13 days. I'm really psyched. I'm really pumped. Good things are happening in my life. I'm still on my poker run going into the World Series. Normally, I made a a bracelet bet for the second time in two years after never doing it before. I got a great feeling this year, so we'll see what happens. If you haven't joined my home game yet, Email poker at yahoo.com for details. $250 in chips for $200. Not much to talk about with myself. Poker's good. Life is good. Personal life is good. Pain is good. Wow. So many good things. So much positivity that um, I'm looking forward to talking with Daniel. So uh, do we have him on? Okay, so let me know when he's on. Uh, Let's see what else is going on in the world. Oh, shit, there's lots going on in the world. Uh, We're going to talk hockey. Hockey's been good. It's one of Daniel's favorite subjects. Uh, We're going to talk the NBA, how the Phoenix Suns completely disintegrated against the Dallas Mavericks. And as you know, on the last podcast, I guaranteed not only would the Suns win the West But they were going to win the title And once again I was wrong Which is why hence I don't bet this shit anymore um, Yeah uh, Things are going well The World Series 13 days away uh, I'm, I'm going to be playing Every event uh, I might even play the 100k Or 250k no limit uh, and sell about ninety percent of myself at no markup, uh, but we'll talk about that. Uh, with further ado, uh, we have Daniel on the show. What's up, buddy?
1: So it's without further ado. Without Richard.
0: further ado, without. we got my buddy we, Daniel. I
1: just wanted to throw out some some love signs to my further my, my fellow bird truthers out there. We all know birds aren't real. Yeah, I don't know that. Well, no, Mike, I don't know, like I've, I've looked deep into this thing and it's real, dude. Like still- all the birds you see in the sky, maybe 10% are real birds. The rest are surveillance cameras that were installed in bird drones uh, to to like, you know, by the government. It's, it's, it's a big cover up. I mean, it's. You, I mean, you know, I saw the guy birds,
0: talking about it, but you don't believe that, right?
1: Of course birds aren't real. Like, think if you look, if you go down the rabbit hole, like in the early 80s, they wiped out all the birds and replaced them with these drones so that they could spy on people who were
0: Is that like the girl that's saying the earth is flat and uh, saying well, crazy difficult.
1: shit? But the birds aren't real thing. It's actually a spoof campaign where a guy literally created this campaign. Oh, he's years. doing it
0: as a joke. Gotcha. Yeah. Because so many because so many people are, uh, th- everything's a fucking conspiracy theory. Well, now, he's so. used
1: it as a joke to see how many people would actually believe it. And right. like plenty of people started to like follow his lead and be like yeah that makes sense
0: there there might be like point zero one percent of bird drones maybe going around maybe that could anyway that would be high though so uh so let's talk first um wsop we're 13 days away i know you're real excited i'm really excited um What's uh, the agenda for you? What do you? What's going on? What's your thought process and uh, how many events you plan on playing? And yeah, so, what, what's going on?
1: So this year is different than every other World Series we've ever had mm-hmm. because it has a. And I've hope I've been hoping to do this for a few years because there's a mm-hmm. whole new group of players that you want to cater to, which is the high roller no limits that they didn't really have anything to play at the World Series. They had right. like one event maybe. Now wow. there's tons, and it's like a lot of buy-ins. The first week alone, I'll be in for potentially four hundred thousand in buy-ins with hundred right. k right off the bat with rebuy's and all that kind of stuff. So, the way that the schedule lays out, I'm probably going to be skipping like events like the fifteen hundred dollar Omaha Eight. Wow. Even though that's a great event, it's it yeah. like a thousand people, but it takes like four freaking days to make yeah. the money. Yeah. And I don't want to be locked up in that to make twenty two hundred when you know there's like a twenty five k next day.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, you know, uh, we were talking. I mean, I was telling you, you know, I've been playing just the best no limit uh, I played since 05. And uh, you were telling me, go ahead and sell 90% of myself and play these 100Ks or the 250Ks. So I- I'm leaning towards it. Uh, I think you're, you are right. It's probably good for me. Uh, oh, I so- never,
1: ever said that.
0: <laughs> well, you said, why not? I, and it's so uh, then
1: why not i didn't say it's this i mean listen if you can get somebody to put up the money why not right yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: but when was the last time you played like an actual no limit holding tournament
0: oh i mean i played the main event it was the last, last so one
1: it has been about 6 months i played a single yeah. tournament what the hell yeah. up in the 250k you never know bro
0: yeah but you know it, it's i've been pl- i play everyday live no limit i know cash and tournaments much different you know i know that Tournaments are more about attacking blinds and annies and keep yourself afloat and moving chips around and whatever. But you know, with the deep stacks, the way it's set up now, it kinda is a lot like cash game, don't you think?
1: No, not at all.
0: Really? Explain no, why. Not at
1: all. Like day one, you know, you start deep, but big deal. Day one is day one. You don't win the tournament on day one. Day yeah. two, you know, the blinds, like those things were actually pretty quick. I tried to slow them down a little more, but they're forty minute levels. They're oh really your, yeah they're faster paced your thing so what you're going to end up is in a lot of spots where the average stack is like 25 to 30 bigs
2: mm-hmm.
1: so being sharp in that is, is really worthwhile
0: right yeah so okay so that makes sense so i mean i'm a pretty pretty good 30 big blind or less poker player uh, especially in tournaments so uh, we'll see you know I'm, it's not set in stone i'm just you know my confidence is high and you know, people are trying – listen, if I, if I sell it, I'll, I'll do it. If not, you know, I don't want to miss no 1500 Omaha 8, you know how important that is to me. So, um, yeah. So uh, have you been to the venue yet and checked it out?
1: So I've been there uh, a couple times to check it out. I haven't mm-hmm. been there since they've been setting up. I'm in planning on doing a trip – probably Monday I'm going to go down and like set up my account cause I like to plan ahead. Yeah. You know, check out check out my green room and see how that looks. Yeah. You know, I got like a microwave, a fridge, a couch Yeah, stocked up on things that I need and just get my bearings. We went to check originally to see like what options were available for an RV and where we right. could park it. And it just, you know, it's on the strip. It's not like, it's not as perfect as the, like the Rio was the perfect location for the world series poker. It really was. The, yeah. you, you can't do better in Las Vegas than the Rio. It was the nuts. And, everyone hates the Rio because that's what people do. But I have a feeling in the first couple of weeks, people are going to be like, man, you know, there'll be growing pains, but you know, they'll iron them out.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I hated the Rio, but I love the Rio. In other words, I mean, I thought it was the greatest setup for the world series, but you know, there's a lot, you know, the bathrooms are shit. Half the things are out of commission and it's all, you know, it's kind of sometimes it's a big thing, but I mean, I got, when things kind of changed around for me, the last four or five years is when I quit saying, God, I hate this place. Because if you walk into the Rio with a negative attitude and then you you blank the first two tournaments and you start getting negative, you're just fucked. So once I accepted that, went to the Rio and started saying, I want to be here. And even when I got knocked out, going back the next day and staying positivity, that's kind of like when things turned around for me. Even though I haven't won a, a bracelet, I've I've won the last four World Series, but, you know, they're hard to win. I mean, how many seconds have you gotten in a La- lot? You haven't won a bracelet since 2012 in Las Vegas. How ma- And you've got, what, five or six seconds, something like that? I have, like, ten. I
1: think I yeah. had, like, ten in a row or something like that. Right. <laughs> so they're not they're not easy
0: fun. to win. I mean, people act like they're easy to win, but, I mean, especially in the— you know. What
1: I what I went through is an anomaly that's rare. Like, even if you took a random button clicker, mm-hmm. they're not going to lose, like, 15 heads-ups in a row. Since it's turned, I've, I've actually, the last four times I've been heads-up, I won all four of those tournaments right. in the last couple of years. But I did go on, like, a really weird you know, uh, streak in that regard. But, you know, it's okay. The bottom line is it's, it's really hard to do what I did, which is to, like, win money mm-hmm. without winning. Like, yeah. first place over, like, you know, a long period of time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've had four world, winning World Series in a row, and I didn't win. You know, but I mean, looking back and people, a lot of people that might not, that are listening, that might not know is you're always considered the closer. If you got to the final table and you had chips, I mean, would you win the first 10 times that you closed and got wins in tournament? Well, that's
1: the thing about streakiness, right? right? It was all poker a lot easier back then. But the first eight final tables I made where I finished was up when I was down to five-handed, I won all eight. Right. Like I didn't count second, third, fourth, or fifth. I won all my first eight. So yeah. then I, you know, re- you know, the mead. The, the, reality set in and you know you started to like balance that out but i it's not it's not something that i'm concerned about yeah you know i like because i i sort of thankfully because at the poker go studio you know i won like a couple of u.s poker opens and poker masters the poker go so i've I've been able to like feel more comfortable again in those situations without any of the anxiety of like oh fuck is this gonna happen to me again yeah
0: yeah and like even well I, i i i take it with a grain of salt like uh, seven times I was down to the last two tables last year. Made three final tables, and I had good chips. And I, I just never won a pot with two tables to go, or or, or even any of the final tables. And you know, and then I'm watching Phil Hellmuth scoop, make the nuts every hand, and tell me how great he is. And I'm like, Phil, you, you, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you just turn over the nuts every hand. I mean, but you know how he is. I'm not going to argue. But uh, it ain't you know, it just ain't easy. And hey, we try our best. We play our best. I believe in all my heart I'm going to win one this year. I think you're going to win one, too. So,
2: I disagree.
1: Uh,
0: you don't think you're going to win one? No. You liar.
1: No, I don't. I mean, I don't think I'm going to win one. I think I'm going to win four.
0: Oh. <laughs> and you want to know what I think? I've never, huh. I've never won two in my life. I, I think I'm going to win two, to be honest with you. I don't know why. I just – I have this – intuition this is like every year i say oh i'm gonna win oh i'm gonna win then i play hard and i'm most like well i don't have to win just play your best you know but this year things have gone so well that i i can't even describe i i just feel like i it's i'm definitely gonna get at least one this year but hey if i don't i don't i'll stay positive and uh and move from there you know so um Let's see. So what Let's talk about the fantasy draft. A lot of people want to know about the 25K fantasy draft, where they can tune into it. uh, And when do we plan on having that?
1: Okay, so this year's 25K, we didn't run it last year because I thought last year it would be unfair to run. It was at a weird time of year, late in the year. And we also had, you know, they, they had the restrictions and we didn't know who's faxed, who's not, who's coming, who's not. So I thought it would be unfair to have it. But right. we are having it this year, and the interest I've had is unbelievable. Like we're going to have the biggest 25k we've ever had. I yeah. have on my list right now 16 people saying they're in. Obviously, you know, last minute sometimes people say no, whatever. But 16 teams is way more than what we normally have. I
0: mean, I was people. thinking of going halves with somebody on one, but I was, I was, I mean, I'm still considering it. You know,
1: you might as well. I mean, it's great. It's great value. It's also a lot of fun. But you know, with an expanded roster like that, we're going to be doing it on May 30th. Okay, and it will be uh, in the evening, and you'll be able to watch it on YouTube. Okay. We will have a link. I'll post the link on Twitter. And will be it be on your
0: it. YouTube channel, or will I it think be... it'll
1: be on the Poker Go channel? Maybe on mine as well. Okay, but it's gonna be it's gonna be really nice this year because we're doing it in the studio. You know, it's gonna be snazzy. We're gonna have like a nice look. You know, view of everything, and um, you know, I think it's gonna be really fun. And it's good for poker. You know, and then for those of you that want to be a part of this thing that don't obviously have twenty five k, David Baker runs a pool. Right, the very mm-hmm. next day, where for five hundred bucks you can enter a team as many as you want, right? And you use the prices, like so. You know, Mike Mattis went for thirty one. You know, mm-hmm. and you can create your own team based on the prices and mix and match and do that. And based then, on the prices know.
0: that it, that the twenty five k sold for, correct?
1: Exactly. So sometimes you'll see steals, right? Like say you go for a dollar for some reason, right? right? People are like, oh shit! Well, they're gonna put you on their sheet, right? And then you can make a really super team.
0: Wow. Well, oh, that's gonna be great. Yeah. I was like I said I uh, I, I I'm definitely going to be in David Baker's, but uh, me and this one guy were kicking it around about going halves. and, and the thing is is the uh, and here's the question is, like somebody like me that really doesn't follow anything outside the mix games, is that a disadvantage because uh, the no limits are going to be wor- worth so much this year, or because you know all the the players that you want to draft in the no limits. And I don't, Uh, where does that, I
1: would suggest like bottom line, I made a spreadsheet of all like the possible players you can come up with. And I think the most important strategy tip I would give anybody going in is anytime you bid on somebody, make sure you know what their schedule looks like. Right. Like don't just go, I don't know, Chris Bjorn. I'm like, is he coming? You don't even, you know, make sure that you've, you've reached out to the person. Like this is the time of year where everyone's getting the calls. Like what's your schedule look like? What's this? So I make my list of players and then I, you know, start to reach out to them and say like, what does your schedule look like? But yeah, this year, because there's more high roller, no limits, there's a whole new group of players that all of a sudden have much more value than they used to, because in the past, you know, 10 K's are worth more. So there's a lot of those in mixed games and there wasn't a lot of those in PLO and no limit, but this year there's plenty. So, you know, now you're going to look at a guy like, you know, uh, Michael, Michael Adamo, Mm -hmm. who wouldn't have been chosen in previous years, but if he plays, 15 events, and they're all high rollers with small fields. Yeah. And he's, like, he's the best in the world right now. No yeah. question.
0: Is he still winning? But he was he
1: lucky. Just won yesterday.
0: Really? He won, at- he
1: won for, like, 1.2 yesterday, or he's at the final table right now. And the great thing about watching him play is, you know, when you see chip stacks, you see Mike Matasow's stack, which is, like, six big blinds. Yeah. You know, you see me in here with four. And then you see Adamo entering the final table with, like, six times what second place has. He just yeah. has, like – more than half the chips with eight left all the time. And that's
0: in no limit. That's like unbeatable. It's not like
1: that's what he does, but he does it from early on. Like there's tournaments, like he'll end day one with like three times what anybody else has, And he plays a different brand of poker.
0: So I'll ask you this. Uh, You've played all the high rollers, you played with everybody. Uh, Me and you have seen tons of people go on massive rushes for a year, year and a half. And then they don't win a tournament for two, three years. Is this guy on a massive run, or is he that good, or a combination? What's your opinion?
1: Well, obviously, anytime you win, you have to, you know, you have to run good, right? right. You have to get situations that work, right? But like the level of mistakes he makes are so minimal, and he plays, he plays at a level like it's clear to me that he studied solvers mm-hmm. and looked at lines that nobody else really does, mm-hmm. because most people who study GTO or game theory they do so with a similar view on how to do it, right? So for those that don't understand what that works is, when you're trying to create, when you're trying to study something, you might have, you might input like a small bet size, which is less than half pot, a big bet size, maybe two thirds, and then like an overbet of one and a half, right? Yeah, so that's what what most people do.
0: That's how I play, correct.
1: Well, I mean, it's how you don't study, but I'm saying, you know, that's how people study when they they input something into a solver. He's using lines that are way different than that you know, mm-hmm. with like 5X spot, 6X spot. And if you watch Pluribus or any of those bots that played heads up, mm-hmm. they came with sizes that the human brain can't possibly bucket properly. Like oh, we yeah. can't wrap our hand around it. And he spent, I think, the most time in those streets. And uh, I, there's a lot of stuff that I don't even want to share that he does because mm-hmm. I'm going to do it too. Because mm-hmm. I like to learn from guys. Like when I see guys oh. doing well, I ask myself one of two things. Like you said, are they just running hot? Or are they doing things so well in some spots that I can um, – you know, mimic, and I, I definitely think there's a lot you can take from what he's doing.
0: So here's a here's a question that I ask you: What Adamo is doing, is he going to be able to do that in big field, no limits, with lots of? Okay, first That's of all,
1: he's not going to play small tournaments. He's okay. going to play like the 10K main or whatever. But he's this is, this is there's a dumb misconception people have. Mm -hmm. that he can crush at the highest levels oh but he couldn't handle retarded people or more oops you're not allowed to use that word anymore i forgot yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. apologies i'm I'm sorry i just want to say i'll take this as a learning moment don't
0: worry about don't worry (laughs) about political correctness say whatever the fuck you want don't worry what Adamo
1: would do to people like at the lower levels is he would dominate them even harder Obviously, anytime you're dealing with 2,000 player fields, you need to run, you know, better, better for long term. So you're going to yeah. win less often. Yeah. But the stuff that he's doing is even more effective against amateur players. He would absolutely run them over.
0: Does he? Do, does he? Like, let's just say he knows uh, an amateur player like has a one pair board on a on a pretty wet board. What What does he do? Does he just check raise like 20x or something on the river and? put people for their tournament lives or what, what exactly I've never played one hand with them. So what do you, give me an idea of what you feel he does different than everybody else. That, that so the, the
1: main, the main thing I would say is like, I get like I was sort of saying before is everyone sort of sticks to, you know, three bet sizes. Mm-hmm. He has many more than that. Gotcha. And some of them are really, really big. So he plays a game like above the rim in terms of pot size. Like if there's a thousand mm-hmm. in the pot, that doesn't stop him from betting 6,000 mm-hmm. into that pot. Like, he'll Mm -hmm. do that. So what do you do against that? Like, Mm -hmm. just only call with the nuts, right? If you just only call with the nuts, like, you're not going to have it often enough. You know what I mean? And sometimes he's going to do that with the nuts. So he really, you know, he levels people into doing stupid things against him. And he also gets max value. He doesn't play anything like you do in terms of, like, survival, trying to hang in there, you know, pick your spots, like – you know, so he avoid confrontation. He does the opposite of that. Right. He goes balls to the wall. Says, "I'm the king of the table. Right? You want to win, you're going to have to fight me. You can't sit there and wait because I'm going to pound you into in in submission."
0: Like, but, 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 like, is he just that good to where he knows he he can dissect his players that aren't going to call? Like, what does he do when, he, when against people that that are just going to fucking call? Like, I'll give you an example. Like, and we talked about this is. The hand five minutes into the 300K where you got stacked against him is just as that, what he just does all the time and puts you in those bad spots.
1: So what he'll do, like I said, that's a situation and we study that, right? So if you you punch what he did there into a solver, Mm -hmm. okay, by moving all in on the river, it's a 22 big blind mistake. And now I know you don't understand what this is because you don't use them, but like that is massive. Right. 22 big blind mistake is massive, right? Okay. So the question is, why would he do that? Right. Mm -hmm. So what he does is he's so studied in game theory with solvers that he knows how to exploit people because of their tendencies. So he thought I might call wider than normal. So he took a hand that's not supposed to ever jam that river Mm -hmm. ever. But he did, you know, and that's the one thing that I would say he does well, where instead of like a spot where you're going to get called for sure for half pot or two thirds pot, Mm -hmm. he's willing to risk that to go for the jugular and say, Mm -hmm. you know what, I want it all. Right. bet it all right so you asked you know about what does he do against people who just call all the time that's right. even easier you yeah. know now he just bets he bombs it and they he, because of his image oh it's him you know he's crazy people just you know give him all the give him all their chips
0: right but what, what what happens if he never makes a hand for about 10 tournaments in a row
1: well listen if he doesn't make a hand and he's playing against a bunch of people who never fold, fold right. well that would be tough but that's not reality there's right. no games like that really anymore he's not playing the one, $1, $3. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's playing against the players. And, 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 and here's, a, and, and that gives us, uh, let's go back to when we used to play the same players all the time, whether it was, uh, early on at the horseshoe or, or early on at the world poker tour, right? Like we pretty much, when the tournament started, we knew almost everybody's tendencies. Is that because he plays these high rollers with the same people that he's just, he knows everyone's tendencies and that's where he has the edge?
1: Well, no. First and foremost, like I said, because he studied in a way that nobody else has, so he's more familiar with the lines he's taking and he's putting people in situations that they don't, they've do not never seen before. Like the line that he took against me, I've never seen anyone do that in my 20-plus years of poker. I've never seen anyone do that. Not right. once, yeah. right? So he's doing that because he's studied in it. Now, of course, in the high-roller you know, environment, it's a small group of people. So he is going to use exploitative thought processes, but it's all built off of understanding the fundamentals. He's all, he understands game theory at a very high level in such a way where very few people do. Mm-hmm. And then once you know that, like, this is why I was trying to explain it to you a long time ago. Like right, right. the value in playing GTO or learning GTO isn't to play GTO. It's not, it's not to say, okay, I'm going to play like a it's, robot. It's, it's to, to know, to know how
0: that, what they're doing. Correct.
1: No, 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 no. Okay. It's not to know what they're doing. It's to say, it's to know what is the correct move? against the perfect opponent, if I was playing against God, right, what is the best move available, right? So now I know that, okay? Okay. So the best move here, it says, okay, the printout says, okay, the best move here is to bluff 80% of the time, okay? Mm -hmm. But I'm playing against John Smith. Mm -hmm. John Smith does not fold in these spots based on these things. So instead of doing 90% bluffs, I lower it and I don't bluff or whatever. But Mm -hmm. the the key factor is knowing – what is the optimal play against the best player? And also, when in doubt, like, say you don't know a player, and you know they're a pro, you don't know. Like, when in doubt, knowing what the just game theory optimal play is mm-hmm. is super beneficial because you can't be exploited. You can't, it won't be a mistake, no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. it can't be, by definition, a mistake. There may have been a better play available, but with limited information, if you don't know the guy on a deep level, if you just take the game theory optimal line, you know, you're, you're playing per- correctly.
0: Right. So is that a compare? Like okay, so let's go early two thousands when me, you, Phil, Carlos, we were super aggro. We fucking played ninety percent of the hands. We played big bet poker, and then we we adjusted. When you to...
1: say we, you're talking about somebody that's like not me, because everything you described isn't me. But anyway,
0: but we we went. We, but poker. we played small ball after that. Okay, you that, said I'm big talk...
1: bet. Poker. I never played big bet poker. Oh, you never and... did. Okay. No, now, I was the opposite. I was the small ball guy.
0: I remember, I was, but like, I, if you remember me, Phil and Carlos in the early 2000s, we played a lot of big bet poker. But then, you did. yeah, I did. You did. And, and so Hoyt Corkins, after I started seeing that I felt what you, the way you were playing was correct, and I went more to the small ball. Hoyt Corkins comes around back out of retirement in 0405, and he starts playing big bet poker and crushes the field. If you remember, he wins like two WPTs. Uh, He was heads up being a tournament of champions. Uh, Is that, and then everybody kind of went back in the mid two thousands. There were four bet and five bet. And I remember asking you what happened to all these guys. You said, Oh, they all went broke and we laughed about it. And then a lot of people were playing small ball. Are you, are you saying that big bet, no limit is coming back?
1: No, not really, and not not really what I'm saying. I think the vast majority of high stakes players that are very like aware of ICM, which means you know, laddering up and understanding like how folding is profitable in spots just to move up. Yeah, that's probably the number one thing I'd say. Like I said, you know, when it comes to like big bet poker, it's really just one guy, right, who's you know really studied in it. But most people are not playing that way. Most do you, people. Do you are feel to, that you know, if farm he could? Work,
0: do you feel if he continues to have this success that everybody's going to because like you know like sports it's a copycat league is everybody going to start seeing what he's doing and start playing like that? You think or what
1: do you well, think? Well, they're going to try, right? Uh, you know, yeah. People are going to try, but like the thing is, is if you're not studied, like yeah. it's not as simple as go. I'm going to watch what this guy does and I'm just going to do that. Like mm-hmm. his his thought processes are based in theory, so the only mm-hmm. way to be able to do that is to study it. Right. You know, to study it with solvers. And if you're not going to do that, then playing like him. He's just playing like a jackass and you're just going to give your money away.
0: Right. So so here's a question for you. I've always said that, I mean, even, I, I mean, I don't know about now, but let's just go uh, early 2000, whatever. I thought me, you and Phil were the three best card readers around. I mean, we could look at people. We would always know what they have. I couldn't tell you how many hams used to say, oh, you got this. And then a lot of times you would call and we would laugh and because you would call their hand all the time. Are you – because this is the thing that scares me the most, but you can answer this. Because of the fact I think you're still one of the best top 2% card readers in the world, do you take the GTO solver um, study over your ability to read or what do you – how do you mix Yeah, this,
1: this is the biggest – and this is like your generation generally. is like has this dumb, really baseless – Idea that the young players are all robots and they don't make reads. They make better reads okay. than anyone from our generation. That's they what actually I wanna, like. That's what I asked, if you look yeah. at the German crew, you look at the Fedors, and you look at that. Like you think they just spend all their time only in solvers. Like one of the reasons Fedor crushed for you know that period while he was playing live is because he was playing based off reads. So the thing is, is you're playing within like some sort of theory. You're playing fundamentally sound, and then you deviate when you pick up a read, right? Mm-hmm. So he was making a lot of really, really good reads. I've studied, you know, game film and game tape of the high rollers that I play against. I have a book of them in my phone. So imagine this. Imagine if you, because I know you don't have any, imagine you, right, who has reading ability and all that kind of stuff. Imagine if you actually understood the fundamentals of how to play the game at a game theory optimal level. Imagine you could combine both. Imagine you had that knowledge base and you had your reads. Now you're talking about a monster, but you don't have any of this. None. Deer, no, and, right?
0: I've t- and I've called you on the phone and I said, and I said, man, if you get some free time, I'd really like to come over and study this with you because right now, and and I'm not trying to brag, but my, my feel for the game and my, my reads and I'm seeing everything. Like I see the weakness, I see the strength and I feel like, Wait, are you playing live
1: poker or are you playing online?
0: I'm playing online and live. But okay. So
1: you're seeing what online?
0: Well, what do you I, okay? You don't so see anybody. okay, so let's just say you play with the same people every day, right? And when you you're play playing blind people, when, right? W- w- <laughs> no, no, we've got four or five good players in the game, but there's a lot of good spots, okay? But what I'm trying to say is, you 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 play with the same people every day. You watch their sizing. You watch. Uh, you kind of see what they're. You just feel it. You know, my inst. I got good instincts and. Like, I'll give you an idea, uh, guy, there was like 500 in the pot, bet 450 on the river, guy check raises 2400, right? And and I in my mind, I'm like, the guy never check raises over this, on this sizing. He just doesn't, he's always bluffing here, right? And then I go on a call with second pair and he shows me a bluff, right? Now again, these are people, they're not top, a lot of these people aren't top players, but I mean, even the top players uh, that try and run big bluffs on me, I I kind of get got to feel like w- the way they bet. Whether no, they you
1: don't. It. So here's the thing, Mike. Mm-hmm. What you described is a guy playing poorly, then because he's Correct. not balanced with the sizes, right, 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 right. A
0: lot of people in my game aren't say, balanced. Yes, like, I agree with that. Thing,
1: like when you say top players, the reality of it, and I'm not saying yeah. this as it is the reality of it is You have no experience against them. Correct. Because you don't play in these things, right? Correct. So yeah, I'll admit that. Like. So what the the, the the most dangerous thing that you can experience in what you're going through right now is mm-hmm. you're playing with in a good in good games against mm-hmm. weaker players, Correct. and that can elevate your sense of your own skill level as compared to the next level. Like if you're the best, you know, in the minor leagues, you're the best pitcher in right. the league, and then you go face major league hitters. All of right. a sudden, you're like, what the hell? They see my slider coming. They see my fastball. Boom, boom, boom. Right.
0: So so like like I it's feel free. like my and this is me just being honest with you. You know, it doesn't mean anything. I feel like my intuition and my feel for the people I'm playing against, I feel it's the best it's been since 2005. Now, am I playing top, 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 top competition? No. But if you think about the tournaments I play in, like I don't play the ARIA high rollers. I don't play these big high rollers. I really kind of have no interest in playing those. Just the ability to have that feel against all the the players, even that I play with, is going to allow me to really have a chance in a lot of these big field no limits. you see what I'm trying to say? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, you,
1: you froze for a period of it, but yeah, yeah, there's no question. Like, obviously, getting comfortable with what you're doing and if you're playing against weaker players, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're as balanced. You can start to exploit them and all these types of things. I'm just, right. I'm talking about if you were, you know, thinking in, like, at, at the, in the major leagues, like at the highest levels, right. it takes more than just a hunch and feel. Oh,
0: absolutely. You know, but it, you know, it is a good a game of reads. You know, it's still a game of reads, and uh, you know, you're right. I, I've I, and this is the argument I have with Phil is I want to work with you and understand what you know, okay? And if I can add that to my I, my my ability to read is just, I mean, even though I'm brain fucking dead, I don't know how I do it, but. Somehow my whole brain's dead except my ability to read poker. Once that's gone, I'm really fucked, but uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully I'll, I'm still able to do that. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 54 years old. I mean, I used to worry that I can't compete at the highest level because of my injury and stuff, but, but now uh, with my confidence and being able to be off the mat, you know, financially, it, when, you're, when you have a little bit of money and, and it's not your case money – you know you're able to pull those big bluffs and if you if they call you and you lose 10 or 15th out it doesn't even bother you you see what I'm saying say I think that's really what's made me more comfortable right now you know uh you can't be for you can't in no limit you can't play you gotta have heart you can't play scared you know and a lot of people do and that's kind of important too you know so sure uh, <laughs> yeah actually so uh let's see so let's uh for people who didn't See how you broke down the, the hand on high stakes poker the other day. I watched it. Me and Phil both watched it. We felt that we both would have folded. Uh, why don't you explain to the viewers how the hand went and what was your thought process and what, what, why is all these idiots that know nothing about poker? Here's okay, thinking... throws
1: again. I don't know if you can oh, see me,
0: but oh, what, can you hear me?
1: Oh, wait, it's it just been doing that every once in a while. It's oh, probably the, probably five... the internet. Yeah. Can you see me now? We're good.
0: Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I
1: hear you okay. okay, so Okay. Like,
0: so let's break down that hand. Me and Phil both saw the hand. We thought that we both would have folded. Yeah, yeah. I heard all that part. Yeah. I got okay. You. Explain to the people who saw the hand your process and why you feel. Because me and Phil f- thought that his shove was horrific. Uh, and explain the hand real quick. Yeah, okay.
1: So I did a 30-minute video, which you should check out on my YouTube channel. It's just easier to like do that because okay. I went into Sounds I went good. into extreme detail, but but basically, essentially, the situation came up. I'll tell it very quickly. Yeah, quickly, yeah. It was Patrick raised. The guy called. I flatted the button with nines. Phil Ivy defended his big. It came 10, 9, 5. Patrick bet 5,000. I called. Phil called. The turn is the 10. Checked to me. There's 26 in the pot. I bet 26. They both called. And the river is a queen. They both checked. I bet 54,000, just about half pot. Phil tanked for a long time which, you know, signify as a 10. And then Patrick thought and he, he moved all in, okay? So getting to the river, what your thought process is this. You know, when you're thinking about theory, it is important to know which nines you have. Mm-hmm. So I had the nine of spades, which blocks all possibilities of him having nine nine-ten suited, right? Okay. So he does not have nine-ten suited. The question okay. is, is Patrick somebody in that spot that would raise with nine-ten offsuit? I think some of the time, okay?
0: But not so the often, I agree.
1: Yep. The bigger issue is this. The hands he's supposed to have by the river when he over calls, there are no draws that he's supposed to have because he can't call pot size when the 10 pairs and it goes bet calls. Right. So there's no right. flush draws, no 100%. straight. He's, right. supposed to, he's supposed to, in theory, and I don't think he would, fold 10-8 and fold 10-jack. He's supposed to fold those hands. Yeah. But I don't think that he would. Yeah. So, essentially, if you look at what his hands could be, it's pocket fives, okay? It's king 10, ace 10, some 9-10, and queen 10, okay? Right. Now, when you think about theory and how that works, you're supposed to have bluffs in every spot. Well, his only real natural bluff would be king 10 exactly, okay? Yeah. Only well, king he, 10. Well, he and knows Ivy th-
0: he knows Ivy has a 10, okay? Yeah I, yeah, I know. And you know Ivy has a 10 and you're making this big bet. That has to
1: literally Well, turn that, that's not off. yeah, that, I get it, but the point of it is is that for 100,000 more, okay? When I bet into two players, Pot on turn, that means my range is polarized.
0: Yeah, agree. That
1: means I'm either very, very strong or I have absolutely nothing. Okay. Right. Now, when I bet into two players again on the river, I'm very likely to be very, very strong. So here's the problem with raising with fives. If I have a worse hand, I fold every time. If I'm right. bluffing, you don't right. get no value. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're I folding a 10. A 10. You're f- yeah. I'm folding a 10. So right. what calls you, Right. If I have queen 10, which I can, I have tons of combos of queen 10. Correct. I have tons of 10, nine. Correct. And I also have the pocket nines, right? Correct. You're not So really it's just a slam dunk call. It is an atrocious shove with fives. That's, vote, what, that's oh, what me oh, and Phil okay.
0: felt. We both What's felt worse, the you same. Were
1: folding. Like yep. if you think about my value range that bets this, you yeah, fold I, the bottom yeah. end of them and then you call with all the rest. So I basically can call there with queen 10, call there with nine, 10 and fold the nine, nine, since that's the entirety of my range for value and all the bluffs, you know, they don't matter anyway.
0: Now, now, because of the fact we pretty much knew Ivy has a 10, that basically also polarizes his hand where the only hand that beats you is Queen 10. Does that go in? Did, what was your decision making there?
1: Well, I'm counting the combos, right? So he's, like I said, he can still have 10 9 because I do believe that he would open there sometimes with 9 10 off. Right. But really, it's Queen 10. But here's the problem mm-hmm. because his range is so limited, mm-hmm. right? I don't think, well, he's never supposed to, like, five is never across my mind. Cause so I'm like, that would be just really stupid. And I didn't think he would do something that stupid. Yeah. So the only question is, is he turning a 10 into a bluff here? What mm-hmm. 10 would do that? Right. Ace 10 has showdown value. He probably just calls King mm-hmm. 10 is supposed to be his bluff, but I don't think he knows that, right. you know, and he's supposed to full 10, eight or eight. So when you get to the river, because his range is so constricted after overcalling pot on the turn, he doesn't have any of those shitty hands anymore. All he's got is really good ones. Mm-hmm. Right. Because of that, he's just not going to have enough bluffs. So the question is, is he going to be bluffing there, twenty-five percent of the time or more? The answer is an emphatic no. No, nowhere near. Your hand's near. too
0: polarized. That's so the way what I people it. see. Right.
1: What people see is, oh, you folded. You know, you should have called. If that situation comes up a hundred times and you call every time and I fold every time, I promise you, I'll make way more money Agree. by folding. Agree. Agree. hundred percent. That's how you sort of think about a hand. now. If here's the thing, the same group of people who are like, Oh, you should have called if Patrick had queen 10 and Mm -hmm. turned it over and I called, everyone's going to be like, what are you doing, man? What do you think he has? He check raised. He's never bluffing there. Of course he has queen 10. What a slot machine. Blah blah blah. People love to play armchair quarterback. It's fun. I get it. But I analyze this hand to death and I promise Mm -hmm. you, uh, here's the thing. I promise you this. If we were put in the same situation, I would do exactly the same thing, but I'll bet you Patrick wouldn't. Because Patrick realizes that that was way too thin of a jam with two fives, especially because he doesn't block a 10 or a nine or a queen. He doesn't block anything, right? right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is about the hand, like I I got people in the chat saying, show me queen 10. I'm never folding that hand, right? And I'm thinking, but they don't understand uh, playing high stakes, high level poker, okay? And like I said, me and Phil have watched this hand like three or four times each both of us said we would have folded your hand because of it. You're never bluffing. Your hand is polarized. You are never bluffing. I don't even know if you go for value. And if you go for value with Ace 10, what you're just not calling. You see what I'm trying to say? I wouldn't
1: have even bet a straight. And if I bet a straight, I was folding a straight. So the pro, that's the problem. Like, right. like, as I said, I mean, there are going to be some bluffs that I would have. Okay. Uh-huh. There's some, right. But, Uh, very few. And the problem for him is, is like, here's the thing that you need to think about. This is probably the biggest lesson out of it, right? Right. When you raise somebody on the river for value. Okay. Uh Ask yourself what hands they can have. Okay. What hands will call you and what will fold. If all you're left with is hands that call you, that beat you. That's not a value raise. You're cutting your own value because you're basically you're value cutting yourself. right? Right. Yeah. If the only thing the guys are going to call you with is nuts and you don't want to raise. And you know, who does that well field that understands that from tournament poker and stuff like that. There's a lot of spots in the river where it's like, he's got a very good hand, but just calls and doesn't raise because he knows, you know, he knows that like the guy's only going to call if he can beat me.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like a spot where, and you see this all the time where the boards ace, ace, Jack, Jack, queen, and you bet an ace and the guy rips it on you. Right. Like, over bet's like 10x and you've got an ace, right? And most of the time, they're not trying to get you off an ace. they usually have that ace queen. you see what I'm saying? And so many people make really that good. mistake of calling off their tournament in this spot. Uh, they have quads or the ace queen. this is almost when I say that, is that clinic kind of, that's kind of close to what we're talking about, correct?
1: Okay, so you cut out once again. Yeah. Because I don't know, something's up with the internet or whatever. No idea.
0: We've never had an interrupt problem, but of course you're on today, so we have an internet problem. But
1: Okay. But anyway, so yeah, I mean obviously what you so you were talking about on an ace ace Jack Jack Queen. Right. The better the better analogy would be this is if you bet on an ace ace jack queen with, with an ace and the guy raises you, like you don't re raise there. Right. You know, never. It's just really that's stupid. Never, right. Because the guy's gonna fold. He's going to call you with an ace, so you chop. Right, and he's going to have you beat sometimes because he's going to have ace queen or pocket jacks. Correct. So in that scenario, that's not there's no value there because if he's bluffing, right. he folds too. Right. So there's just that's that's a good 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 and good hand description of like. The concept
0: for sure right yeah and, and again you know like uh, it's funny like watching people in the chat say well how do you just give him queen 10 if you know ivy has a 10 there's one hand to beat you
1: well, what do you think so this is what people don't understand okay ivy has a 10 we got that right uh, for sure ivy
0: had a 10 correct well, i agree it
1: doesn't matter though it's like everyone it doesn't matter because of course when patrick overcalls, he also has a 10 Right? Right. Well, correct. So if we know that Phil has a 10 and Patrick still calls, what does that tell you? It
0: tells you it his mean, hand is a monster.
1: Races. He's got a 10 too. So right. the fact that I... Patrick does too, you know?
0: Right. And he's just never, unless he's full, he has to be full. And and I agree with you. I, I've i seen the hand... Uh, and you know Phil makes big... You can say what you want about Phil, but you know normally when he gets away from big hands, he's usually right and we talked about it for like, I don't know, 20 minutes. And we both came up to a conclusion that it was a good fold. And we don't.
1: Well, Phil's fold is good for two reasons. Because number one, he has Patrick behind him. Number two, like, as I said, I don't have many bluffs. So the question is, can he beat value? If I'm bet, will I ever bet a worse hand than King 10? I wouldn't bet Jack 10 or Mm 10-8. I wouldn't even be betting. Well, if I bet, if I had a straight draw bluff, I got there with Jack King or Jack 8. Mm -hmm. So from Phil Ivey's perspective, he beats nothing. Mm-hmm. He beats no hand. So it's a question of this. He, You know, he made a read. He's like, is Daniel bluffing? He came to the conclusion that no. So if mm-hmm. I'm not bluffing, King 10's no good. And it was a good laydown from Phil. Yeah. Now, Patrick just lost his mind.
0: That, <laughs> that's what Helmuth said. Patrick lost his mind. He goes, that's an absolute atrocity shove, you know. and But again, like people in my chat are saying, well, didn't 5-5 five five, uh, enter your mind? And it really doesn't because, like, any top people, the people that are in the chat, they don't understand top players just don't do that. They don't turn full you know, houses into a block. For
1: me to put Patrick on five, five, I would have to be under the assumption that he's really bad. Right. Okay. And we, and we know he's, he's not that. That right. he's gonna punch really hard in a spot where fives is clearly just the call. So, Correct. so no, that didn't, I didn't see that. Now, next time I play with Patrick or whatever, I'm going to see, all right, sometimes this guy loses his mind and overplays some hands. So next time I would factor in, the possibility that he's, you know,
0: but we'll, but here's another finish. question. He's such a great player. Will he do it the next time? Because he knows you'll be. thinking.
1: I would about. hope not. I would hope that for his sake that he's going. But the bottom line is, if he's able, if he's capable of making a mistake like that, and you know he's poss- it's, it's, he's capable of making a similar mistake in the future, unless right. he really plugs that hole. Yeah, I mean. But here's the thing, and Patrick said this to me, and this is exactly what happened, and this is what I said, and this is partly what I was talking to you about earlier. Mm-hmm. I tweeted this, and people are like, "What are you talking about?" I said. Sometimes if you play in games with bad players, you develop bad habits, okay? And if you play against really good players, like, you develop strong, good habits. And guys like Patrick and Tom Dwan, they play in really soft games with bad players. And Patrick said to me, he's like, I don't know, I'm just used to playing with bad players. Because against bad players, maybe jamming fives there is good, because they'll call you with a queen, who the fuck knows, like with three tens. But against good players, no, they wouldn't. So when you watch Tom play and you watch Patrick play today, right, they do a lot of things that would be considered sloppy or suboptimal that Mm -hmm. if they played in tough lineups, they would be getting, you know, that those would be problems, but Mm -hmm. because they play in soft games all the time, they can get away with things similar to you, Mike, Because you play in soft games, a lot of the things you do, you can get away with. Right. Right. And they're profitable. Whereas if you did those same things against like really elite players, they probably won't work nearly as well.
0: Right. That, That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? And, and the thing, Frozen again. Um, yeah. Okay. This, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear yeah. you now. The thing, the thing that that I've worked on, and again, frozen. I I need to really work with you on the game, the solver. I can't. I,
1: I, that's too much to teach you. I can't yeah. do all that. Well, that's I'm like, not saying whatever. You, you can hire. Honestly, if you really wanted to learn, you should get coaches. Yeah, for real, and they can give you lessons. Let me ask you something because I'm good friend. Jonathan Little
0: uh, is real good in teaching that, right?
1: he's yeah he yeah i mean i don't watch i mean i've seen a couple of his videos i've never yeah. took in his training program so i wouldn't right. know i you know i worked with it but there's a lot of options available like and, right. and the bottom line is this just thinking about poker in a different way mm-hmm. opening your mind up to it and learning new things you can pull that into your mike maticell game mm-hmm. and be like aha uh-huh, this this is a new trick right because if right. you keep thinking about poker the way you always have mm-hmm. you'll never evolve right? Yeah, so in order to grow, you have to be willing to do things differently. Like when I first mm. took this on, I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. Right. The first 20 minutes, I'm like, dude, I can't do this. I don't get it. Wow. But I kept at it and I practiced and I learned and I started to understand, you know, how to use it a little bit better. Mm. And, uh, you know, it just makes you, it makes you think about poker at a much more elite level. Like if we think way back when in Doyle's era, we had what learning tools would be have? Like? they had super system, right. a very simplistic book, how to teach poker. Yeah. Then you know it evolves, and there's other books and there's sim- simulations and software, and it's advanced so far that why wouldn't you, if you're taking poker seriously and that's your profession, why wouldn't you go down the road of saying, Let me learn about it? Right? You don't want to be stubborn, old guy who's like, I don't know about these kids and shit, but I yeah. got it, I figured it out. You don't know what you're talking about unless you've actually studied it. Mm-hmm. So it's important to think about it from that perspective because yeah. you never get better if you have these old school mindsets that. You know, I know everything already. If you know everything already, you know, then you're you're your friend Phil.
0: Well, that's <laughs> Phil's problem. It's like I say to him all the time, I said, listen, I said, why don't I, you know, even like his sizing and his mechanics are so bad and I'm trying like, so I taught him how to play, really worked a lot of hours with him on the mixed games. And you've seen it. Like he's really become a, like we used to always want Phil at our table in the mixed games. And now uh, he's, he's gotten pretty good. You know what I'm saying? And I put a lot of work in that. So when I sit there and I say, Phil, because he wants to, you know, him, he's the ego and shit. He wants to tell everybody he's the greatest poker player to
2: ever live. Because I'm good and, at no limit hold'em.
0: <laughs> and so uh I said, well, the only way you're going to do that in this day and age is you're going to have to learn mixed games and win mixed game bracelets because, you know, no limits are, are tough now. And I told him, you know, he, I don't understand why at least, like me, I have – My sizing is perfect. No,
1: it isn't. No, Mike, Mike. No, it isn't. Okay. Okay. It's good for you. It's working in the environment you're at, but like how you don't know what perfect is until you've studied it, right? Makes sense. So you got to be careful of sometimes when you like have these ideas because you're basically falling into that trap. Like I got it figured out. My sizes are perfect. You don't know because you've never actually like gone down there and like with pen and paper and figured out, you know. What's Makes sense. you know? What does your range look like for two-thirds sizing? What is it for third? Is it balanced? Probably right. not. I bet you if you wrote it down, I could show you. But no, no, no. All right. right. So a good player is going to see your two-thirds sizing is too nutted. Yeah. You don't have enough bluffs in it, and your small size is whatever you know. And, and people will pick you apart.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got picked off uh, when I small sized a big hand yesterday, which I really bothered me. Um, I lost a big pot and the and I normally open for like 120 and the very next hand after I lost like 5k in the pot I open for 200 like I wanted to look like I was tilted right I have two kings and uh, I get two callers the flop came king jack blank and I bet third pot and I got two callers and now the turn card comes a jack and I just know somebody's got a jack and I bet a third pot again I should have bet big on the turn Right? Because I know someone has a jack, but I bet a third. And then I get raised to like 1,100. Right? And I hemmed and hawed and I called. Uh, And I probably should have re raised because I know he's got a jack. I I hated the way I played this hand. And now the river comes a blank and he checks. And I had like 4,500 in front of me and I bet 1,100. I should have just moved in, you know? But I bet 1,100 and he called me and he had ace jack. And I was so mad at myself because he's, he's one of the better players in the game. And he picked up on something of my sizing, uh, and it really bothered me. It really did. So now I said to myself, okay, um, I have to go big when I have a monster hand way more often than I do. I've got to go small when I have weak hands, and i got to balance. I told myself straight out, literally, I spent like an hour telling myself after this hand that I've got to, I, I need to balance better. See what I'm saying? So, yeah. You know,
1: right. It, and the only way to actually know what balance looks like mm-hmm. is, again, through study. Because, like, you can guess and you can think your balance, but okay. unless you actually have, you know, sort so, of data to back it. When
0: balance. you study balancing, are you studying the GTO or the solvers?
1: That's the same thing. So, game oh, theory. Is. So, basically, what a solver is, a solver is this. A solver is, like, artificial intelligence against artificial intelligence. Okay? Okay. They try to exploit each other like crazy and they run all these different sims until neither can exploit. So they get to this perfect balance place, right? So when you look, when you're trying to figure out when you're balanced, you're asking yourself this, all right, I'm betting this river. Okay, what does my range look like? Okay, Mm -hmm. let's say I have 10 combinations of value bets. Do I have 10 combinations of bluffs? That's Mm -hmm. how you think about it. And if you don't have 10 combinations of bluffs, your range is way too nutted, right? Right. So, so that's how, like, it would work in terms of, like, dissecting where you're balanced and where you're not, right? Okay. So, for example, if you're somebody who, you know, when you overbet, right, you're doing it with, like, the nuts are pretty close. Right. You have to also make sure that you incorporate some bluffs in there because if you don't, yeah. all good players are just going to fold.
0: Yeah, I did that. I did, <laughs> I did that yesterday. I knew the guy had second pair. I bet I had ace kink and jack queen. I bet flop. Then I bet a third. Then I bet two-thirds on the on the turn. And then I overbet like almost two X pot on the river because I knew he had a jack. And he snapped me off with ace-jack with a jack-queen high board. And I got a little mad at myself because what, the, what happened was is the clubs ran out. It ran out club-club. And because of the fact I'm not probably balanced enough, once the club hit and I hesitated for a while and then overbet, like why am I overbetting When the club hit, I I think the club cost me the pot. And I told myself once the club hits, I shouldn't overbet. I should probably go like half pot. And uh, that looks like I want to get called. And as soon as I overbet, I said, he's going to snip this out. And and he did. So I was real mad at myself. So I guess what you are saying, if I studied what you are saying, I will not make those mistakes at all. Well,
1: I think here's the thing. Even if you don't study, right, Mm -hmm. I would say this. In spots, ask yourself, like you're not Mike Mattisot, but like you're looking from somebody else's perspective and you're like, what can Mike Mattisot have in this spot? What's his mm-hmm. entire range? Mm-hmm. What does his value look like? What is the entirety of that if he bets pot and what are his bluffs? Mm-hmm. Right? And then do that. You know, you have do that exercise and ask yourself, if you were playing against Mike Matisau and he bets one he bets pot on there, what should you do against that, right? Right. And if you know what to do against that, that means you're not balanced, right? because what you should get to is a point where it doesn't even matter. Like, cause he's going to, cause you're going to be bluffing at a good frequency, but you're pro- probably not. So if you can like look at that situation and say, all right, well, this guy, if he calls or folds, it's indifferent is what we call it, mm-hmm. Right. Cause you're, that would be balanced. Now I don't suggest being balanced in every spot. I don't think that's necessary. I think it's a mistake actually, because mm-hmm. you want to exploit people, right? Mm-hmm. You want to exploit people's image of you. So for you, for example, Mike, Most people think you're pretty nitty and nutty, right? right? Yeah. Which means that if you're supposed to bluff at a frequency of this, you should double it. Right. People are folding to you. Well, that's what I've.
0: Well, that's exactly what I've done. I took my image, which I use like months creating, and all the start, and I started check raising big on the turn with like a gutter ball and a flush
1: draw. But you have to do it in spots where you realize that you have enough value combos now too. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, if a flush hits, right? Like a flush board hits. Mm There's about forty. There's 45 combinations of flushes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, obviously, if you played the hand that limit, it's not 45 because you're not going to play Jack do suited, Seven do suited, all this kind of stuff. Right, 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 right. When you raise on a flush board, right, mm-hmm. you're representing a very small number of combinations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, you know, it's, it becomes more suspicious, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's much more difficult to, to balance when you're when you're limited on the the value combos in terms in, in situations right. like that always thinking in terms of, all right, in this spot, what does my value range look like? What does my bluff range look like? And then when you realize, you're like, holy fuck, you know what? I don't, I'm never bluffing here. Right. Like I always have it. Right. If you always have it, that's a spot you want to look at to maybe, you know, fix.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, like I'll give you uh, one an idea of, a, of one of the bigger hands I won yesterday. Uh, uh, one of the guys on our game, Rays, and, and he's one of the looser players in the game. I'm on the button. I call with King nine and spades. Flop comes Jack 10 8 Rainbow. Uh, and he bet uh, about half pot. Normally, when he bets in the, a half pot, he, he's got a big piece of this. So I'm pretty sure he had a, a good piece of this. But again, I'm Mike so I have a pretty tight image. The turn card comes like a five. And again, this time he went kind of small. Like he was a little bit afraid. And I felt that he was afraid of me in this spot. So I raised him big. I raised him like 1,600. okay oh, came five of spades. So I picked up a flush draw on the open ender. So I raised him like 1,600. He calls. So now I, I just know he's calling me on the river. So I I just I just know it because I know the player. So I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I better hit on the river. Now I hit I hit the spade on the river, and I overbet uh, about 1,000 over pot, and he snapped, called me. He had two aces. <laughs> I mean, but uh, again... Well, going back to the hand where the guy check call with the ace-jack, this is telling me that I need to be okay, here, more balanced. Here's a,
1: here's a question I have for you, Mike. Yeah. Here's a question. This is exactly what I was talking about before. Right. So you jammed on the river, right, mm-hmm. with the king-nine-of-spades. Mm-hmm. Okay? What are your bluffs?
0: I mean, my bluffs are mm, jack 9
1: Uh, You would raise turn with jack nine and then jam the river with the spade is what you're
0: saying? Well, I mean, if I'm on a full all all out bluff, maybe, but you're right. Well, here's the thing, right? So, so
1: like you've got, you value bet jam, the king nine of spades, right? So that's your value,
0: Uh
1: right? And then someone who's good, who's thinking, they're like, all right, what hands can Mike have that called flop, raise turn and jam this river that are bluffs, right? Right. So what hands are you turning into bluffs in those spots, right? And there's not a lot of them which is important to think about. So if I'm against you in that spot, when you jam that river, I'll be like, all right, let's look at the combinations of value. We can have combo draws, flush draws, all that stuff that got there. He's not afraid of those, but what are his bluffs? And if I can't figure out any bluffs that you have, just fold. Right. Easy, Easy fold for aces against you.
0: Correct. And so there's two more hands I want to ask you about. So even my good friend who plays in the game, uh, He had a hand where he raised. He had like uh, I don't know eight nine of spades. One of the guys who was playing who's a lot of times spooey, but when he's on his game, he plays really good. He three bets out of the blind, so it was pretty obvious he had a big hand. My friend calls, and this is this is kind of like what you were just saying. The flop came down uh, queen four five with two spades, and uh, and he bets like half pot, and my friend calls. Okay. Now the turn card comes the ace of spades. And now he checks. My friend goes two thirds pot, he calls, right? River come, comes an offsuit deuce and my friend goes big. He goes like thirty nine hundred in the five thousand. And the guy is literally in the tank and he says, Man, he goes, This is like one of the one of the worst folds or best folds I ever made. He goes And he uses three time banks and he folds aces and queens, right? And I just think that I can never fold aces and queens in this spot because a guy raised under the gun, a a tight player, my friend, who's really tight, called the raise and, uh, you know, but... All right, here's the
1: thing. So again, this is what I want to focus on. Yeah. Okay. This guy, your friend, Mm -hmm. let's not talk about what he actually had. If he was bluffing, what hands should he have to bluff with there? Right. What hands? So he he raised, he called a three bet, Mm -hmm. he called the flop, bet turn, bet river. So we know he has flushes, right? Right. You know, he has value, maybe he has trips and stuff. But like, what hands should he or could he have that turn into bluffs? Name them. Well, let's just say... uh, Name uh, them, name the hands. I want to hear the actual hands. Okay, so let's just say uh, he bets
0: flop and my friend calls, right? My friend Mm -hmm. could easily have... Ace King with the with the Ace of Spades because he's got backdoor Spades and pulls one off, hits the Ace on the Wait, turn. The ace of king of spades. Uh, uh, The turn was. the uh, turn was the Ace of Spades, right? But he could have also Ace King with the King of Spades. But would that? what he call that? That's what you have to ask yourself, right? So you made a good point there. Uh, what? Well, bluff that's not is,
1: bluff anymore. You. So you think I'm talking about? So this is this is where your brain has to get to. I promise, right? Yeah. So we know he had eight nine of Spades, right? Right. We know that that's value. We got all that. Right. But. What is his bluffs? What are his natural bluffs that call the three bet, call the flop, then when checked to decides to bluff, right? And then the river comes and decides to bluff again. Correct. What He's gonna. Is
0: You're right. He's. Let's just say my friend has king queen suited, right? Now he That's got checked, right? Once he checks what the ace. What bluff
1: there? Right. Once ace.
0: he checks the ace and my. Let's just say my friend bets, but normally he would check back. But what, let's just Okay. Say, how
1: about this? Let me. Have, what are the best bluff candidates there? What is the best hand to have there? To be bluffing, what should you thinking What should you be thinking about in terms of what cards you want to have in your hand that make the most sense? That once you bet turn there, you bluff the river with. What is a key card you must have?
0: You have to have the king of spades in your hand,
1: right? No, not the king of spades. Uh, a spade, period. Right, correct. Okay. About the ten of spades, the nine of spades. Okay. Right. Now ask yourself, how can you have the ten or the spades or the nine of spades that doesn't have a flush? what possible hands could you have that you're bluffing with?
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: So what was the hands that you came up with that call the three bet, call the flop, and then become bluffs on turn river? Did you, did you figure it out? Uh,
0: I mean, uh, I don't know, really. I mean, that's a good Okay, question. so this
1: is the problem. So when you say perfect bet size and balance, yeah. all this stuff, yeah. you don't even know what the bluffs are here, right? But I can tell you what the, what the predominant bluffs are going to be. Pocket nines, pocket tens with right. a spade. Right. Right. So now, you know, on the flop, you would peel with 10s or 9s, just to, you know, see the turn or whatever. Now it's the 8 spades, the guy checks. You block flushes with the 10 of spades. So you bet, and the guy calls, like, okay, now you know you're no good, right? For sure with the 10s. Right. So by the river, now you turn 10s, which is never good, and you decide that's going to be your bluff candidate because it blocks hands like king 10 of spades, jack 10 of spades, and nine ten of spades. So that's what oh. you're thinking about. Right. You're thinking about what are my bluffs that can get there, and what are the best ones that block value from my opponent? Gotcha. Okay?
0: This is the what I, the, these are the things I need to learn. I mean, because... But does
1: that makes sense to you now when you think about it, right? So we know he has flushes. We got that. Like, he's got that for value. we got flushes. Right. But what are the bluffs? And if you don't have any and you're not thinking about turning nines or tens with a spade into a bluff there, then you're just not even coming close to being balanced.
0: Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I a lot of times call flops and they check turns and I'll bet... And I think I I think I could get him off a top pair or whatever, and I'll I'll bomb rivers, you know. But I don't do that all the time. But I I do it enough because my image is so tight, and then I I kind of use my image to really, to to do damage. I mean, it's like I don't want to brag or anything, but yeah, I'm the best player in the game, and and I know I am. But the point is, is yeah, I but I know I want to get better. That's the difference between me and Phil. Phil wants to sit there and say. My way is the right way. It's either the solver way that's right or my way that's right, right? Which I think is so egotistical and stupid, and we, so do you. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, right? So, And I'll give you one more hand I want to explain, and then we'll move on to another subject, is we're in a bomb pot, and uh, all nine people take the flop with their cards, and then you play post-flop. Flop came, deuce, deuce, seven, I bet straight out about a third pot uh, maybe a little bit more because it's a bomb pot maybe I bet a little less than half person behind me calls right and uh I don't want to name names but a pretty top- notch player in the poker world is in the game check raises the flop to like 2600 so yeah so it's 1800 in the bomb pot I bet 544 call. It's 2800 in the pot or 3000 She bets like it was 2450 she bet. She raised to 2450 the person. And I thought it through and said you know, I had deuce five, right? Three deuces with a five. I'm like they're just never good here, right? I mean the guy behind called. Chances are the guy behind probably has a deuce, and she might even have sevens full. Anyways, I folded the hand and, and Tristan was like, how can you fold there? That's just terrible. She could easily be bluffing because she knows you have a deuce, and uh, and uh, the guy behind called. Uh, this is a perfect bluff spot. And I said to him, "Well, you don't know your players. My, I know the players, and this person would never bluff in this spot, right?" As it turns out, I texted the person, and they had queen deuce, and I made the right fold. But because he's so involved with solvers, GTO, whatever yeah, it's against regular people that you don't, you know, play with every day for years, you know, you're probably calling there. and, and No.
1: He's, whatever solver input he used, he fucked it up. Okay. Because that's not a fucking call.
0: Right. It's Explain why. Explain it's why. Because I told him it's a fold 100%. It's
1: a terrible call. First of all, you couldn't possibly put this into a solver because it's way too complex with a okay. bomb pot and mm-hmm. nine players having 100% of their range in this spot, mm-hmm. right? But because of the player behind you, as you said, right, Mm -hmm. and getting raised here, in the long run, Mm -hmm. like, if you get bluffed, you're never going to get bluffed at frequency. Right. Because the player behind you is going to have the deuce. Like you said, someone might already have sevens. Right. You know, every possible hand combination is out there, Mm -hmm. and you can't defend deuce five there. You could actually be drawing dead, as I said. It's like, it's actually, I mean, it's going to sound silly, but, like, it's quite an easy fold, really. Right. And to call there is absolutely punting. Correct. You know, if that person bluffs, God bless them. God bless them. That's to, what I
0: felt. Let them have it. If you're
1: trying to bluff, bluff two people in a nine-handed pot when it comes deuce, deuce, and you have a bet and a call, good luck. That's not going to be a profitable play in the long run because guess what? Most of the time, people are going to have a deuce, and they're going to call. Right. So it's 100%. Uh, if you could run this in a solver, or you run this, they will all tell you to fold. Gotcha. They will all tell you to fold.
0: Yeah. So I, I like my fold, and, and uh, as it turns out, I, I text a person, and they had queen deuce, which was pretty obvious to me. And uh, so, I just want to bring that up. All right, let's take some phone calls. People want to say ask you questions. Uh, let's uh, let's take some phone calls.
1: The mouthpiece.
0: If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me. At podcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the MouthMatiso on Twitter for times that our call in segment will be live. 702 329 0480. Give us a call. Me and Dean Eggs on the phone. WSOP coming up. Call us. Ask any question you want seven oh two three two nine zero four eight zero so um yeah so uh you know uh how's life man everything good
1: are you kidding me you fucking froze again
0: oh well, It's all right we'll get through yeah we got You're you there? on it's it's probably me whatever we'll take some phone calls see what they say
1: well hopefully I can hear them
2: yeah.
0: welcome to the mouthpiece you're on with me and Daniel.
2: Hello? Yo, Mike, this is Rick in Maryland.
0: Yo, what's up, I Rick? I've a
2: question for you and a question for Daniel. First one's for you. Um, are all WSOP bracelets equal?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I would say uh, for the higher limit players, yeah, of course everybody wants to win the main event. Uh, Daniel might agree with me here. I think winning the 50K Poker Players Championship is probably the most prestigious, and is I don't consider equal. Daniel, what's your opinion?
1: Well, I mean, by definition, a bracelet's a bracelet, right? Correct. So, if they term a bracelet in terms of like, you know, are they equal in terms of what's harder to win? No. Are there some that are more prestigious than others? Of course. The main event, like Mike mentioned, the fifty k, and you know, really the most prestigious is the main event, obviously. Right. Of course, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's that's all like up to personal. Like, if you if you're a mixed game player, the fifty k might be you know, but in terms of like, if somebody won a $400 deep stack, another guy won a 10 K stud, they both are bracelet winners. So right. from that perspective, they're equal. There's no asterisk behind, beside any of them.
0: I agree. Yeah. Like for you, Daniel, uh, taking away the main event, which one would you want to win the most? The two fifty k in the limit
1: or it's, it's the 50 K for me. It's always been. Yeah. The I, told, I told you,
0: that's it was always been the 50 K for me too.
2: All right, man. So a poor and, dealer, poor poor poker dealer like me, if I win it, then I should value it a whole lot.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like it's gold. It's gold, dude. It's like everybody's okay. dream. It's not, they're not easy to win. Daniel plays 50, 60 tournaments a year. He's got six of them. I play 30 every year. I've got four. I mean, they're just not easy to win. So, yeah, if you win one, you should damn be proud of yourself. Fuck yeah. Absolutely.
2: Hey, Daniel, can you do us all a favor in the poker world? And can you play Doug Polk one more time and just smash him, please? I would play live.
1: Live, you know, I agree. It's a different
2: environment because with live,
1: like, because the problem with playing online is like, say for example, pre flop, you can literally, you know, with well, the way that we played it, you know, have kind of like a chart and not really be making any decisions. But live, I would play, and I'm who knows, maybe I'll go down to Austin one day and do something for fun.
0: Yeah, I'll be down in Austin. I'm uh, I'm buying. I'm going to be buying a poker room. I'm going to be owning a poker room down there. I'm pretty excited about it. I'll talk to you about it uh, off the air until it's all finalized of course uh so let's take some more calls 702-329-0480 give us a call you're on the line with me and daniel so um yeah uh, i'm uh, this is one of the world series that i'm really really hyped about uh phil said he went down there yesterday and the uh he thought the venue was really really nice uh Parking-wise, uh, what did you find? What did you feel about parking? We're gonna have to park parking at valet, or a a parking for in the back. What's that?
1: Parking is gonna be a problem for a lot of people, especially the ones that play. You know, those big field events, and right. everybody's coming at the same time. I think right. an issue in that regard. And parking too, but like I think some people might be better off right. uh, just like parking at Bellagio right. or Aria and walking over. I mean, not Mike because Mike can't walk that far right. in the heat. Welcome to, the, welcome to the
0: Mouthpiece. This is Mike and Daniel. Uh, who's this?
2: Hey, Mike and Daniel. It's Nick from Yuma. How are you doing?
0: Hi, Nick. How are you doing?
2: Doing well, thanks. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of joining the stream a little late. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if, like, you were trying to stay on any, any specific topic or just, like, any question in general.
0: Yeah, any question. Ask us anything you want.
2: Um, I guess because Daniel's here, I would ask, like, how have you been able to, like, Obviously, you've had your bumps in the road, but, like, whenever you involve money with friends, things get fucked up. How have you been able to, like, work those things out?
0: Uh, Go ahead and answer that, Daniel.
2: What was the question? It broke up a little bit. Yeah, repeat that again. Um, Anytime you, like, involve money with friends, it seems like things, like, just seem to get, like, messed up. And, like, I've had difficulty with that in the past, and, like... I know you two have had your bumps in the road, but, like, how have you worked that out? I mean, just, like, through private conversation or what?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen.
1: Like, well, is he asking me or you, Mike? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, you, <laughs> you,
0: either way. Go ahead. You can answer that. For me, whatever, yeah, you can ahead. answer
1: that. I'm frozen anyway. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, basically, like, sure. when I'll give you this. Like, in the poker, these are people in the poker world don't understand. A lot of people loan money in the poker world, and in the new generation, you know, they go crazy if they don't get it back. And, you know, there's mo- most instances when you do help people in the poker world, you're helping them because you care about them, you know. And if you have money, you know, if you get it back, that's great, you know. But most of the time, you're helping people. With me and Daniel, we had some bumps in the road. We're doing really good now. Um, and uh, listen, uh, everybody has their ups and downs in friendships. I mean, Daniel's wanted to kill me about 20 times. I wanted to kill him about three Uh but he he knows that I have a heart of gold. I know he has a heart of gold. So uh, you know, we kind of walk work, work our way through it. You know?
2: All right, cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Daniel wanted to say anything either. Yeah. He's frozen. Again.
0: He's, he's no. frozen right now. Great. How the fuck this happens, I'll never know.
2: Ah, no yeah. worries. No worries. But yeah, I mean, um, I think one thing you mentioned there kind of answers my question is when you lend people money, you're trying to help them out. So I think that that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know, that's kind of, that's really, it is. I mean, like everybody, like I probably have a million dollars owed to me. I'm never going to see. Um, and uh, most of the time when I loan it to him, uh, I was doing it as uh, out of the kindness of my heart and hope, hoping, hoping to get it back one day. So, uh,
1: yeah. All right. So I got to say like, Mike, it's not working because I, I can't hear anything. Yeah. Like it's you know every it's not it's not stopping it's right. every couple of minutes it's it's out for 20, 30 seconds so right. I can't even hear the questions or what you're saying. Uh, basically
0: the question was basically he was asking about
1: no, I uh, understand I'm just saying we can't keep doing this because I'll lose my mind yeah okay
0: you know, I agree all right let's take a few keep, you know, we'll take a few more phone calls and then we'll just we'll we'll wrap it up and watch some hockey okay hey thanks right, for you like,
2: both, I, I just, I just want to shout out the... my I just want to shout out my buddy Bojan Frantich in the chat valuable sandwich and street soul lover thanks all right Mike, buddy. thanks thanks for the call
0: movie. you got it. All right. I apologize, Daniel. I've never had this problem in in like 20. It's just amazing. Like we run a podcast every week and our connection is is good. Uh, Whatever it is, what it is. We'll we'll, we'll take a few more phone calls. And uh, so I I didn't want to really touch so much on this. So I don't want to bring up that cheating scandal or anything, but we'll talk about about that after we to this call. Welcome to the mouthpiece is Mike. Mike and Daniel, can I help you? Hey, can
2: you you hear me, Mike?
0: Yeah, you're a little bit loud. Lower the volume, please. Okay. Yeah.
2: Can I, uh, I have a story for you. I hope that you will never believe, but I'm going to tell you anyways. And then if you want to call me,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm cutting out. I'm just going to quit because I can't hear nothing.
2: Yeah. Keeps cutting out every, every
1: minute, like 10 seconds. I missed. So, I'm, I'm gonna...
0: I, I apologize, Daniel. I just, we're going okay. to, I'm going to take one more question and then we'll, if you could hang on for f- five more minutes and then we'll get the heck out of here.
1: Uh, well, I'm just going to quit now because it doesn't matter. I can't even hear.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that really sucks. Um, yeah. uh, uh, I'll have to, let me listen. I want to finish this up with Daniel and then you can call me back afterwards. Okay. I, pre- uh, give me, give me, give me, a call right back. I, okay. I want to finish, finish this up with Daniel. Okay. Thank All you. right.
2: All right.
0: Thank you. All right. All right, Daniel. So we're we're, we're going to finish this up, and I'll take some other phone calls afterwards. Um, I don't want to really bring up because I, I don't feel like you got you had anything to do with the cheating scandal or anything. Ollie's a great player. Jake Schindler's is a great player. Brent Kinney's a great player. Oh, what do you take out of the fact that uh, people this good that are would would go out of the way to to cheat? Does it really it hurts you, right?
1: I don't I listen. I've always expected. I mean, when I started playing poker back in the day, you know, Puggy Pearson and Las Vegas, people were always trying to cheat at poker. Like this isn't new, you know, people in the 70s, people before that, people in my time, everyone's always trying to cheat or angle shoot in some way, you know. And today, you know, these kids are not immune to it either. And some of them, you know, when when the um, element of money, you know, plays a role, sometimes people's moral code is dwarfed by greed. And some people don't have a moral code. Some people are sociopathic completely in the sense that they don't give a shit, right? They're like, whatever, I see a mark, I'll take it, whatever like that. So we're always going to have in every realm of poker or any sort of, you know, business dealings, people that want to cheat it, cheat the system. That's why it's really important that organizations that, you know, run events and um, online sites that they do everything they can to police it and ban these people as, as quickly as they can, which is what, you know, GG released in 2020. They released the list, right. or they didn't release the list of names, but they released the number of, like, accounts that were banned. Legally, they cannot Correct. release the names because of privacy laws. Otherwise, they would have, which is partly why, you know, I didn't come forward with any names right. because I know that when I say something publicly right. about somebody that it's important for me to be able to back it up with receipts and go, I'm calling this person a cheat and here's my proof. If I don't have the proof and I don't have the evidence, then it's unfair for me to do that to somebody because, you know, it's liable. Like, you don't want to, you know, right. you, you can't do it. Even though I was hearing from all the people in the community about several names, mm-hmm. right? This, these aren't new names to me. We yeah. all sort of heard them. But then the question is, what is the burden of proof? And unfortunately, because of privacy laws, you know, that can't be revealed. And hopefully yeah. that changes in the future.
0: And, and I didn't know that. And when I had, and I, and I had apologized to you and I said, uh, there should be accountability. I was basically saying GG should release these names with accountability. And you to- and that's when you had told me they can't. And I felt bad that on my podcast that I said, you know, you should have accountability. Basically I was saying about GG and then, you know, you got real mad at me and I understand.
1: It's, it's like, imagine this, like me and you, right? Mm-hmm. We hear a rumor about Joe Blow. Mm-hmm. Me and you hear this rumor, right? right. Okay. That he's cheating. Okay. Now you and me go on Twitter and we say, Oh, this guy's cheating, right? Okay. Okay. What if he's not? Right? First of all. And second of all, people are gonna say, How do you know? Oh, this guy told me. Okay, well that's it. That's all you got. You know, it's super important, especially when you're in a prominent position in poker or whatever, that anytime you make these accusations about people. you can back it up with facts. Like well, obviously you know in the Mike Postel case, right was I was just going to
0: bring that up cuz you had said for sure he was cheating and I had him on the podcast and I even though I had a certain feel, I didn't want to just say what you said because what if he wasn't? You see what I'm saying? And now
1: yeah. 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 So I wouldn't have said that if I didn't think the over the evidence was overwhelming right like and it was just clear to me it was very very obvious that it's and i heard there was sus. i mean we won't go over all the videos but there's times you could see him mouthing the words i can't see the cards je- less or whatever the guy oh
0: he was, was de- de- listen he was definitely looking at his phone okay. and the- so
1: i had enough i had enough personal evidence that i could point to and yeah. all the videos and stuff like that where i felt comfortable mm-hmm. saying that but mm-hmm. then again with the other guys who were rumored i don't know so here's the other thing too right when people are banned right there were 60 accounts that were banned there's varying degrees of uh, infractions in terms of what they did right, right. you have at so, you know you have potential allegations of using rta mm-hmm. of collusion of ship dumping all these types of things then you have some that are like well on the lower level that like they just used preflop charts and they weren't even sure that that What would is it what
0: account. I've heard this thing preflop chart can you tell somebody what is that
1: can I what sorry you broke
0: what me. is a, what is a preflop chart
1: you don't know what a pre-flop chart is? is no, I hear,
0: I hear this all the time.
1: That's amazing that you've been playing poker this long and you've never heard of a plea flop chart. It's been around forever. So a chart, right? A mm-hmm. pre-flop chart essentially has all the hands in it on a grid. Okay. Okay. And the pre-flop chart will show you, okay, under the gun, these are the hands you play. Okay. You know, under the gun plus one, these are the hands you play. So if you have a chart up, Right? And you say, okay, I got a seven suited in my hand. Where does, do I play this or not? And you just use the chart. So you're essentially not making any decisions. You're got just you. using the chart to make the decisions for you. When I was playing against Doug Polk, we both we're, we both you know I didn't right. want to, and then we did, and then we both agreed to use those. And, okay. You know, I, I don't think they're good for poker, and they're banned on GG. You're not allowed to use. That, that,
0: that's really interesting because, like, isn't that like kind of like reading a book that tells you like. What 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 hands? I mean, it's not like that. That doesn't like, compared to R T A. That doesn't really seem like like something that'll hurt you.
1: Well, yeah, okay. So again, that's that's the issue, right? Because pre flop charts for many years they were always allowed. for yeah. Historically, I, right? mean, seen, was, I, charts, I mean, I've
0: seen when I said pre flop, I've seen charts of of different hands to play in different positions, but I I've never actually studied like a chart or
1: anything, you know. Well, that's a pre flop chart. What you looked at. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. So historically, pre flop charts were allowed people were allowed to use those things. Mm. Okay. And then, you know, GG poker and some other sites said, you know, we banned, can't use them anymore. So there was a period of time where it was a gray area and I don't think some people knew. Mm. So for example, they were using them and we knew we found out and then, you know, they were banned as well. So it's unfair to just lump that person in with the most extreme egregious cheaters who are using, like we're colluding and doing all this kind of stuff. right? Right. Right. So because we can't release the information about what they did specifically, it's unfair to just say here are the 60 names of people and then you think, oh man they're all really egregious cheaters when some of them they just used pre flop charts and didn't even know better or whatever the case would be or in some cases they really didn't do anything so so that's why I think it's like like a touchy subject and listen I would love to out every damn cheater that we that you know that yeah, that's me a too. Rumor, but me too I would love to like so would they so would everybody We'd it's not in anybody's best interest to hide that shit we want those names out and get rid of them. But again, you have to do that responsibly. You can't just throw – like if you see somebody play a hand weird, you can't just be like, oh, shit, no, this guy's cheating. Oh why? Because he played queen-four offsuit for a three-bet and then called it off with queen-four offsuit. Must be cheating because nobody's that stupid to do that with queen-four offsuit. Hello, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying like what? So what if someone said like, oh, he must be cheating because he did something stupid and he won the pot? Like that would be ridiculous. He's not cheating. He just had, you know, just did something stupid. Yeah. So like, and
0: you say pre-flop charts? What? Okay, so let's just say a whole chart, right? Why can't I just print that chart out and put it next to me while I'm playing? And how's GG or anybody going to know when you're looking at the chart on a piece of paper?
1: That's the thing. So here, so those, so that's illegal. What you just described is a pre-flop chart. You can have a chart up. I had charts like on pieces of paper. Right, is what I was using. Right, um, they're not legal. Okay? okay, you're not allowed to use those. You're not allowed to use anything along those lines. Now. Right. Is it difficult to catch people that do that? Of course. Right. But just because it's tough to catch doesn't mean you don't have a law. It's illegal to jaywalk, right? To walk across the street. Right. But nobody gets to jail for that, but it's still illegal for a reason, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, obviously, like I said, people are always going to try to take advantage, but the rules are the rules. And if people find, if you get caught, you know, you run the risk of either A, having all your funds confiscated, B, being banned Mm -hmm. for good, you know, getting your funds or, you know. Whatever. Yeah, those two
0: things really. Basically. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I know that Postle's been banned from the World Series. I saw Ollie and Jake were banned in, in Monte Carlo. Um, uh, I also know a friend of mine, Gal, who's got some federal uh, charges for money laundering against him. He was kicked out of the Caesars property. He's never done anything wrong there. And it's innocent until proven guilty. So I kind of felt like, you know, he's kind of getting the short end of the stick here. Is people like Ollie, Jake, and them going to be allowed at the World Series? Do you know that? Or, or like, like, what, what, do you, what have you heard?
1: Yeah, they are going to be allowed at the World Series and in Poker go Studio. Not because they want them to be, necessarily, mm-hmm. but because they don't have any legal grounds, really, to hold them back from playing. Because, right. again, so there's no evidence that they've cheated at Live Poker, Right. right? We've seen no evidence, despite, you know, the bannings and all these kind of things. They don't have anything they can go to and say, here we go to the Nevada Gaming Mm -hmm. and say, listen, these guys did this. We did what? We don't we we can't show Mm -hmm. them that. So they're in a tough spot. Now, private places like Monte Carlo, apparently they did get, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, banned from there. And they Mm -hmm. also got banned from Triton events, according to what it looks like. But as, as of now, legal team looks at it and says, we we don't have we can't do that. Right. You know, even though it sucks. And that's one of the part of the problem is we can play with, you know, guys who everyone knows are cheats and there's very little you can do to stop. Well, them from again,
0: playing. this is going back. So they say, because private uh, casinos, whatever, they can ban anything for anybody. They don't need, they can just say you're banned. Right. So like, again, a friend of mine, gal, he's got a federal, a federal offense against him. Uh, and it went, it went viral uh, but he's still got to go to trial. He said, told me he's innocent. He's still, you know, we live in a country innocent until proven guilty. And, and the w World Series and Caesar's property banned him, and he's never cheated or done anything. And their answer is, well, it's a federal case. We don't want, we have the right to not have him in. Uh, so basically, if Caesar's wanted to, they could ban them if they wanted to, right?
1: But then you're talking about a very slippery slope, right? Yeah, I agree. Very that's, slippery. That's why I don't like what they, well, they did to my friend. Well, how about this? What about, what's the burden of proof for something like this? If, you know, three people go and say, you know what, that, that guy who's really good at poker, he's cheating. Cause they don't want him to play. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Is that enough for them to say, Oh, okay, well you three think he's cheating. I guess so. So again, there is a scope, right? There is a, a, a line. And if you talk about two guys, right. What about, and you know, are there any others and like, where do you stop and, and how do you, How do you implement that? That's like you compare that to like the
0: steroid case in the baseball where they're picking and choosing who did steroids and who didn't. Well, we have a feeling he did like they got a feeling Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens did. But in all fairness, there's no proof and they've denied it. Same thing, right?
1: I mean, similar. Yeah, sure. Like I said, again, logistically, the problem is the slippery slope of saying we're going to take this firm action to ban somebody for, you know. Undisclosed reasons, because we, we can't accuse them of cheating. Mm-hmm. Suspicion of cheating, like that that could go a long way. And again, it, it's not easy. Listen, I think everybody's best interest is for every organization, WSOP, WPT, Triton, GG, everybody to sort of get on board with eventually setting up the situation in where they can share information on this sort of stuff. And that right. way you can start to slowly but surely cut out their outs, Right. right. So, if, let's say, you know, if you cut out two outs, okay, that limits them. If you cut out the World Series of Poker, now that's a real penalty because there's a lot of good value in the tournaments, the World Series of Poker, oh. and, you know, the Poker Go Studio and stuff like that. You can really take a, a hit to their, you know, overall uh, earn. But again,
0: that dog bus- loves you as much as my cat loves you. Wow. Is that Rocky or uh, or the this other one? It's Rocky, yeah. Paul's wow. the picture there. Go
1: oh, board.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, uh, well, that's pretty much it. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you one thing. I don't want to talk much. I don't want to talk politics with you because it always gets into trouble. But as Bur- real, yeah, as you, an owner of I think two or three Teslas, and Elon Musk coming out and saying what he did yesterday. Does, what is that? What, do you, what what was your reaction to that?
1: I would, so basically, it seems as though Elon's speaking to a really wide group of people right now. Correct. who feel alienated by both extremes. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And I can empathize with that because like, he, you know, there's that one line picture that he shows where like he was here, right. Left of center. And then, you know, there's been movement. right, And now all of a sudden the line of center has moved one way or the other. Right. And um, I think that the majority of the country is somewhere within that moderate place. Yeah. Five left or five or right. People, yeah. 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 But social media trumpets the loudest most extreme voices I agree and algorithm is set up mm-hmm. on twitter to keep you in the bubble that you're in correct so if you are following you know right wing accounts your just, feed yeah. your feed is going to be hammering you with all these things that correct. are on one side and if you're following extreme left you know feed mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you're going to be getting different things right whereas the most people are somewhere in the middle of all that but the debate that happens happens on social media between extremes right. and because of that it puts us at even more of a um, impasse in terms of tribalism Correct. where this is my tribe this is what they think that's what i think this is my tribe this is what i think so people don't think independently anymore right. like there's and, a I, good and, example I, and i was of, like that 6 you know, years ago leak.
0: when we fought right. i went so far right theory. i didn't know you know
1: so there was a theory one theory that possibly this was leaked in a lab right, right. In Wuhan, okay, it's a theory. Now, people on the left decided this theory was racist, right? and this theory was being used by the right to demean Asian people and Chinese people, and in some cases, that probably was true, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, so, But what happens is now, if you're left, you're supposed to say, nope, it wasn't a lab leak. And if you're right, you say, yes, it was. I'm like, how the fuck? Neither of you know. Correct. It's a theory. It's possible. We shouldn't shut down theories and possibility just because it doesn't fit our narrative. And, that, and there's a lot of examples of stuff like
0: Joe Rogan that. said that he said straight out he said he goes wait a minute you want to tell me what hate speeches or what what what's a lot what's disinformation and all these things that were considered disinformation are now coming to fact
1: well that's one case where like the theory is starting to like you know seem like it picks it picks up legs bottom line is is I'm I agree with Elon in that I'm not for censorship I don't think I didn't think so yeah I do, I do think though that what he wants to do, mm-hmm. the number one thing he wants to do is, is attach human beings to every account. Correct. That would, if he was able to do that, yeah. it would eliminate the Russian um, like the Russian bot farms. Because essentially yeah. what a Russian bot farm is, is like 60 to 100 Russian people mm-hmm. who work in a room with a computer and they each control like 10,000, 100,000 accounts yeah. to amplify whatever information they want to spread, right? Yeah. So if you can actually identify, if you can attach a human being to every account, You'd wipe out the bot farm, which is a big pro, which is a big part of the problem. Yeah. All bots are, on on every angle of it, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I like that he's trying to do that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I yeah. do think though that you know, so free speech is obviously you know, but like Twitter's a private company. Right. It is the town hall, but like you say shit they don't like, they have every right to ban you. It's yeah. you know, it's their business. It's just like you walk into my store, no shirt, no shoes, no service. You know, Did they you- have that right because it's not a. Twitter is not a government run program, right? It is a private app. If people don't like it, they can create their own app. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not. Uh, did you, you, know, did you see the rights in that regard? To did, what did, isn't isn't allowed. It's did totally you see unfair. the
0: undercover video from Project Veritas where they were showing the one of the Twitter executives saying that we're a bunch of communists? We're far left. We're against free speech. Fuck Elon Musk. He's got Asperger's. He's a piece of shit. I mean, all this came out yesterday. And like somebody like whether you're like, let's just say you are on the right and I was on the left and you hear, you hear somebody with Twitter, uh, one of the main guys say something like that, w- that would offend you. It doesn't matter if you're left or right. No, that yeah. actually would have
1: zero impact. It's one dude's opinion. I don't really give a shit. Gotcha. You know, what I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me. So some guy has an opinion, big fucking deal. Like I don't, I don't get worked up over like, Oh, look at that secret video. This one person yeah. worked on a thing and said yeah. this and that. Like, there's I mean, nothing in there that is like, uh, what's it called? Like it's just a one guy's opinion of whatever. And he, he has this opinion. So yeah. I don't let stuff like that get me fired up because yeah. it just doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. It was, you know, what's funny about it is, is like, he, he's talking to the guy, like, we got to be careful what we say because they have, uh, because they have undercover project Veritas videos. So I got to be careful, but you, I know you and I believe in what you say. So it was pretty funny. The whole video. You no. I didn't see it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was just wondering what, uh, you know, a lot of people now on the left, they're like turning on Elon. I can't fuck, fuck that. But they don't understand what he's trying to do. He is trying to be in the center, but he's also trying. He's getting pulled right because of, like you said, the chart that he put out, you know, what I'm trying to say.
1: And he, well, uh, he's basically he's not doing exactly what the extreme wants him to do. So mm-hmm. now they're ostracized. Right. Right. They don't have, he doesn't have the identical views as they do. Right. So as a result, he's the enemy and he's mm-hmm. evil because he's a big, powerful man. Right. You know, you can buy Twitter and they're all, Oh my God, it's the end of the world. If you buy Twitter and da, da, da and this yeah. and that, the truth is if you buy Twitter or not, it's still going to be a toxic cesspool. Yes. 100%. Of it and really it's
0: really still going to have an algorithm
1: same. that is absolutely designed to create division yeah. because it's set up to be tribalistic. I and, agree. Make us hate each other. Yeah. It works.
0: (laughs) I mean, I remember Elon like six months ago said, I want to buy Facebook and delete it. He literally said he wanted to buy Facebook and delete it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Listen. Uh, one thing we will always agree on is like social media is a toxic, toxic place, man.
1: That's why I don't follow you, bro, because you're fucking – your social media when you go on these rants at yeah. two in the morning or whatever, yeah, I can't read your shit. Well, so cool.
0: a good. You'll be happy to know that I've completely gotten off all the the toxic politics stuff. Um, it was uh, I noticed it's it not was just your take, mental state. Yeah. Um, what happens is I and 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 you could relate with me a little bit on this is is um, you you know what I suffer. It it took you a long time, but now you realize what I suffer from mentally. And a lot of times I get manic. And when I get manic, I get into those rants. And a lot of times too, I say things on Twitter where I'm trying to, um, I come across wrong. Does that, does that make sense? I'm trying to say something, and it comes off completely different. Is that a fair statement?
1: Twitter's not nuanced enough where people can understand tone or intention. Correct. And because detox, and because we do have so many people in this country or in this world right now that are literally looking to pick apart every single word that you say Right. Right. for tone, and, t- and they're like, oh, this means they're this, 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 and you get right. labeled and stuff like that. This is why a lot of celebrities, for the most part, have completely just Abandon Twitter, mm-hmm. and if they have a Twitter account, if somebody runs it for them, right. and it's like they they've all gone it.
0: to Instagram, right?
1: Well, they do that, but in general, Twitter has become a place where they don't post opinions or things yeah. like that because ultimately, anytime you have an opinion, right? Yeah, especially if it doesn't go with the norm or the right. or, or the or or the narrative. Now, you know, you run the risk of like being ostracized look what
0: look what they did to doug polk look
1: look what they did to doug polk over that you know what's that
0: what's your opinion on how he got attacked doug polk when he put that thing about this uh the uh swimsuit uh model what's your opinion
1: so i read all that yeah i didn't think i
0: didn't think it was a big deal they merely they really destroyed it
1: I had several tweets I was going to write, mm-hmm. and I'm very proud to say that I did not press send on any of them. Me too.
0: I said this is just going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to put me in a bad spot. Just let it go. Right.
1: People, here's the, when, when you talk about an issue like that, yeah. again, we talk about nuance. Right. Right. So people are questioning, like, what is the motive, right? Right. Um, what is the, the motive behind that? Is that to demean people that are obese? Is it genuinely to help, you know, raise awareness about health and all that sort of thing. And that's sort of in the eye of the beholder in terms of what you see. Right. Um, The premise of it though, like, I mean, I think it's, I think some people were arguing that, you know, being obese is not unhealthy Mm -hmm. or it doesn't, it's not a sign of not health. And that, like, when you say things like this, I almost replied to stuff like that because like, that's just factually not true scientifically, right? Like we know that, you know, you know, 30 year old man who's obese is more likely to have health issues than somebody who's not. Right. It's just, You know, that's just true. Now, is that to say that we should body shame or anything like that? Absolutely not. But the question is, is if you were going to put somebody on the cover of Men's Health and they looked like Mike Matisot and you're like, this is the new beacon of.
0: I look good now, buddy.
1: Yeah. But imagine like Mike on the cover of Men's Health.
0: Yeah, exactly. Agree. Agree. Like,
1: you know, you'd wonder and you go, hmm. Yeah. So I don't think that people look at that cover and say, I want to strive to be that. Right. Right. I do think that it, it brings in, again, I don't, this, this is the thing, yeah. a subject like this. Yeah. You gotta I, be careful. I have like a neutral, normal view of it without any extreme thing. But anything you say, that's slightly off.
0: Yeah. You
1: get the pitchforks out. You get people <laughs> like, I put a tweet out that went nuts. Yeah. And the tweet was simply like, I've been playing poker 26 years. And we've been talking about more women in poker for 26 years. Yeah,
0: I saw that tweet. Yeah. Still
1: about 5 yeah. to 8%. And it hasn't changed one bit, no matter what sort of efforts we've made. That's all I said. And then everybody came with the pitchforks when what I said is just factually true. Right. Okay. If you have ideas to bring more women in poker, whatever, go for it. I'm not opposed to that. Do your best. Why not? What I'm suggesting maybe though, is maybe that maybe it's possible. We've not done the right things, but maybe it's possible. Just maybe, I don't know. It's crazy to think, Hmm. but maybe, just maybe your typical man Enjoy sports betting and poker and stuff like that yeah. more than your average woman. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's true. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, but so far that it seems like a plausible uh, conclusion. I mean, it, it, you're right,
0: and, and it's a, it's just listen. It, it it is interesting, you know, what you're saying here, and I truly believe, like Doug wasn't there trying to
1: like fat shame anyone.
0: You know what I'm saying?
1: But I think uh, some people made good points about this. Yeah. So Doug was fat, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah I saw that. You
1: know, he's got money, he yeah. got a trainer, got yeah. this bet, so now he's getting lean and whatever, right? Right. And, you know, that looks easy. Right. For him, it probably, you know, was relatively easy. For Bill Perkins, who went to 8% body fat, right. he's able to do that because he can hire a trainer to feed him and do all this kind of stuff, and it's very easy when you have that all set up, right? Right. right. But for your average person who works 8 to 10 hours a day, has kids, has doesn't have the access and the money like that mm-hmm. you know this idea oh it's just easy go be healthy it's like well how about go mm-hmm. fuck your
0: well the reason why i asked i like so berkey you know how hard berkey works out every day he's all about health and he just shredded doug on this you know how out of line he was and uh so did the uh the one guy uh the, the no limit player I forgot his name he really shredded him uh i thought they were a little hard on him but you know he did write it in a tweet he goes well i better stick to uh, promoting MTTs, maybe I. But
1: here, right? yeah. here's the problem we're getting to, right? Here's the problem we're getting to. This is what I don't like about the whole thing, right? Yeah. He has an opinion. He yeah. shared it publicly. Right. There was discussion about it, right? right? Correct. We have to stop making the person a monster because of their opinion. Maybe that, their opinion is wrong. Well, that's what's right? wrong. That's what's wrong people. with
0: the country. That's what's wrong with the country.
1: Okay. I saw. Well, here's the thing. I saw people when he made this comment mention the fact that he's white. White male. And I'm like that's what they always say. Talk about obesity. And it's like you're sort of going a little on tangents here. And I mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is like I may have some opinions that, you know, are not popular with one group or the other. But now the world we live in, we have to refrain from sharing this stuff. So there's like we we curb blue learning opportunities. Like yeah. maybe I have a question about maybe I had a question about non binary gender stuff. Right. right, right. right? But if I had that conversation publicly and I say the wrong thing or have the wrong views, yeah. now all of a sudden I'm a this and a phobic and a that. And I'm like, none of that's true. Yeah. I'm actually genuinely looking at the civil discussion. But we don't live in a society where it's safe yeah. to do that because of like whatever you want to call cancel culture and things and- like that. I actually had this, I had this conversation on Twitter with one person who was transgender and the other one who was non-binary. Right. And they said, you know, they were asking me questions. And I said, to be honest with you, I'd love to have this discussion with you. Yeah. But this, this, but on Twitter, it's not safe for me to do so. Correct. Because if I have an opinion that isn't aligned, then, you know, it'd be problematic. So I actually took it offline with them. But even then I'm like, I have to be careful about anything I put in a DM. Because if I don't conform or don't agree with my thoughts, then I'm like, oh, Daniel, you're a white cisgender male and you don't know. And that, I'm like, okay, I don't know. But I'm. I just because I can't relate or understand to that identity crisis doesn't mean I also don't like have the right to an opinion. I do believe it is my responsibility to listen to those that do Mm -hmm. right to listen to people who are non-binary, listen to people who are trans. I have to listen to that stuff and understand it and and hear it. But I also feel like I should be allowed to follow up with a question and not just go, "Okay, everything you say is 100 percent gospel if it still doesn't compute for me.
0: Daniel, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you so much. I can't wait to see you at the World Series. Uh, give me your hockey pick. Who's going to win the uh, the cup?
1: I got all the dogs in this round.
0: Uh, who's going to win the cup?
1: I didn't, I haven't even thought that far down the road. So. Really? <laughs> it's so totally dependent upon who gets them. My
0: opinion, I, I have this intuition, I could be wrong, is I think Carolina's going to win. It's my opinion. All right, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you so much. He's frozen, again. It's okay. It's all good. (laughs) My little 21-year-old Flash is here because he wants to be the star of the show because that's what Flash does. Hi, Babas. I'm taking him to a doctor on Tuesday. He's doing good, but you see he's, you guys have watched the podcast before. Flash is usually crazy. Normally, you see how he's like staring? He's lately been like staring out in the space a little bit. So we're we kind of just want to make sure his blood pressure ain't too high and I mean he still jumped all the way up here on the thing and 21-year-old cats don't jump up on the thing. I've had this boy since 2002. He's he's watched me be the best poker player in the world. He's watched me lose all my money. He's watched me lose millions betting sports. He's watched this incredible comeback story that I've done the last 3 years. So I'm very proud of myself. Um Uh, nobody really really understands what i've been through uh when my documentary comes out uh the one we filmed at the world series last year and uh he will be here for two weeks this year uh to finish up uh doing the uh the documentary and what and once you guys see the documentary you guys will really have a different perspective of how good i've really done with where i was um Nobody in the world could imagine what I deal with pain-wise on a daily basis. Nobody in the world can imagine what I had to deal with trying to get back on top and make money again. And I did it all on myself. I did it with nobody's help. I've pretty much paid almost everybody back. Uh, I'm in the middle of... uh, Basically, uh, buying a card room in Texas. Uh, I keep telling you, uh, it's just, you know, getting the, the final touches on it. I'm hoping it's done by the World Series. And if it is, I will, uh, definitely, uh, inform everybody what's, uh, going on. But, uh, I do believe Texas is the biggest, going to be the biggest poker capital in the world. Uh, I would literally make a minimum of a $50,000 bet that in 10 years, The World Series of Poker will be in Texas. I really believe that. I believe that Vegas is no longer the poker capital of the world. The only people who play in Vegas are pros. Uh, The fish cakes don't come out here. You go to Texas, there's so many fish cakes to play with. Um, They are planning on legalizing gambling. Uh, Mark Cuban, Jerry Jones are opening up two mega resorts in Dallas. Uh, I, I really I mean, they call it Texas Hold'em for a reason. And once Texas becomes legal, it's it's going to be where everybody wants to be. So hopefully I've missed out. I missed the boat on full tilt. I missed the boat on crypto when I had $10,000 of crypto at $27 a coin of Bitcoin. Uh, I missed a lot of boats and I'm not missing the Texas boat. I'm telling you right now, I will not miss the Texas boat. And, uh, and hopefully uh, with all the, Hard work I've done and the ability to, you know, financially get myself on my feet. Uh, uh, and uh, hopefully this Texas thing works out. I'm really looking forward to it. As far as the World Series goes, you guys, uh, you know, we are going to give away on the podcast next week. Okay. I'm going to give away, we're going to do some, uh, we might even have a new uh, video up. We're working on a new YouTube video. Uh, for the world series of poker, it's going to be very funny. Uh, it's going to kind of give you an idea what it's going to be. It's going to involve, well, frog poison, RTA, uh, shamans, uh, all the crazy shit that we heard a couple of weeks ago, um, going into the world series. It's going to be really funny. Um, so we, we we're hoping to have that out by the world series. Uh, it's gonna be really funny, and then uh as I always do every year, I will um ask uh trivia questions next week, and I will be giving away one percent to uh five of my ten case um, and I might even give two percent to the main event no two percent of the main event you win eight million dollars that's uh hmm. A lot of fucking money. That's like, uh, what, 16,000? 16, 16,000, 16, right? Final table, the thing, that's uh, 10,000 so, or 20,000, but give away 2%. So uh, I'm going to give away that. Now, as far as um, anybody who wants to buy a piece of me, uh, my, uh, my packages will be up on Monday at pocketfives.com. Uh, normally I've gone to U stake for the last five years. Um, and uh, Josh Aria, very good friend of mine. He was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, he asked me to uh, put my stuff on pocket five. So I am, um, I'm selling half myself. Um, if people don't like my markup, go suck a dick because I have no problems putting up the entire 10,000 myself because I can afford it now. Um, so I'm basically selling half of myself for people who wants pieces of me. The only ones that I have big markups on are the main event at 1.6. Everybody else said I should go 2.0. I've cashed it three years in a row. Uh, And uh, Omaha 8, 10K. I have final table 11 out of 20 years. And the uh, 10K PLO 8, which is probably my best game, It's the tournament I want to win more. Like the one-color called, which one's more prestigious than anybody? I believe I'm the best 08 player in the world. I know now I haven't played as much as I used to. I'm sure other people are as good or close to me now. But my record stands for itself. Um, Last year was the first year at six years. I did not final table one of the top – one of the four Omaha 8-or-better tournaments. Uh, I did final – I did get to the last two tables of three of the four. Um so that's the ones I have the markup on. The rest are all one point two. Uh I am playing the fifty K this year. I am selling it at one point two. Um if I it doesn't matter, I'm playing it no matter what, no matter what pieces people buy. Um and uh also uh the week in before the World Series starts, so that will be Let's see. Next the weekend, the World Series doesn't start next week. It's the week after, correct? Yes, eighteenth. So, well, this weekend is the twentieth. Okay, so it'll be the, so the following week after that. Yeah, not this next one coming up. Uh, well, this weekend is the
2: twentieth.
0: Yeah, so the follow next weekend uh, on the podcast, we're going to give pieces out. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to give trivia. We're going to give away, uh, like I said, one percent of five of my ten ks and. Um, yeah, I mean I'm uh I'm playing uh you know I'm I'm playing them all, you know. Uh I really honestly I don't know. I know every year I say I'm winning one this year. I'm winning one this year. This is my year, right? And then I don't win it and I get down, right? Every one of those times when I've said that, it's me trying to be positivity. You understand what I'm saying? This year, I don't know how to explain it. My intuition is telling me I'm not only going to win one, but I'm going to win two. Now, if I win two and call my shot, I mean, that would be amazing. Uh, But this is the first year since uh, 2009. so that's what, 10, 13 years that I'm playing the World Series where if I brick out 150000 in tournaments, it won't even phase me. So the fact that the money pressure is off of me. Now, I always like to sell half of myself because I play so much better when I'm playing for other people. In other words, when I sell off myself on, on Pocket Fives or UStick or whatever, I'm not in there playing for myself. I go in there saying I gotta win for these people. And so it really does make me play better. If I don't and I have all of myself and I'm having a bad day and I dust the tournament off, it doesn't it really would bother me. But if I dusted a tournament off when I people have a piece of me, it just kills me from the inside. So, you know, that's probably that's the reason why I sell half of myself. So there might be some of these big buy and no limits. I might sell like ninety percent of myself, no markup. So I'm basically putting up ten thousand myself for them. Uh, I haven't decided yet on these things. Uh, it was really good talking to Daniel about the solver and the um, GTO situation. Uh, my reads right now, best, best, maybe better than when I was the best in two thousand five. But that doesn't say anything, you know. There's two or three great players in our game, but. Most people are playing our game. I'm just much better than, and, and so maybe that's why I've done so well. But uh, I i don't take things for granted. Uh, people don't realize that. If in, in poker, right, I'll, I'll give you an idea. 2010, right, Jerry Buss invites me to the Western Conference Finals in Phoenix. I'm like, fuck, the owner of the Lakers invites me to spend the weekend with them at Western Conference Finals. Of course I'm going, right? Go to the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers lose both games on the road. He says, Mike, that's why I never go on the road. He goes, like, we just never win when I go on the road, right? And I remember that it's something of a turning point in my life because after that weekend, I said, wow, I fucking made it, man. I go, I grew up a diehard Laker fan, and now I'm spending the weekend in the the hotel with fucking the owner of the Lakers. I mean, I fucking made it. I'm like, look at me. I'm one of the best players in the world. I got millions of dollars. I'm with full tilt. Nothing can stop me now. Well, that's not the right attitude to have because in life, I tell people all the time, and and, and I don't want to say this in a negative way, knock on wood, but I said, I always say this to Phil. I go, stop with the ego. Stop saying how how great your life is. You could literally go out in a car tomorrow get fucking blindsided and be fucking paralyzed and your fucking life is over.
2: You're uh, too good. Yeah. Phil Helm, you're too good. So, I mean,
0: that's what happened to me. I mean, I woke up one day. A chair broke at the bike. The fucking spinal cord almost got severed. I never did a hard day's work in my life. All I had to do was file an incident report. The bike would have had to give me $20, 30000000 and I'd been set for life. And unfortunately my partner at the time would not allow me to fill out an incident report. He thought it would make our company look bad. So, I mean, so many things had to happen to me for me to be in the situation I'm in. So take life. Don't take life for granted, you know. One of the reasons why I got political and it really helped my life is not a left or right issue, is my life revolved around the green felt. It was poker, sports betting, poker, sports betting, sleep, poker, sports betting, right? Well, that's not balance, right? So that's why I always struggle to have a girlfriend. I hold on to a girlfriend because, you know, girls don't want to see that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, once I got political and I see all the people that are struggling and the blue-collar workers, the people struggling to put food on the table, especially now with all the inflation, like, and the gas prices, like, who could survive? Like, they're going to put the whole world in the poorhouse. But they get what they deserve for voting for these fucking communist fucks. So... Um, I mean, I never even imagined Joe Biden could be this bad. I thought as long as they didn't put that horrible human being Kamala Harris in there, Biden been there enough years, he's a centrist, he'll be fine. But when your donors are all far left and they want to push far left policies, I mean, I I don't even understand what the Democrats are doing. I just We need two healthy parties in this country and for them to just be so far left and with the craziness, it's, I mean, you get Elon Musk, 95 million Twitter followers, who was a champion for the left for climate change and electric cars, and you have him say, I'm voting for the GOP, you don't need to know anything else. You need to go. The Democrats should be basically saying, what are we doing wrong? What's going on that everybody's turning on us? What's going on that the polls show Biden at 32 percent? What's going on? You fucking, you wanted to spend another $3.6 trillion on inflation. Thank God Joe Manchin and Sinema turned it down for the package. When you just print money you don't have, this is what's going to happen. When you shut down federal fracking land that pumps out gas, okay, because in the name of the far left of climate change, the gas prices are going to go through the roof. It's just one plus one is two. If China... And India are doing nothing about climate change, you're gonna really destroy your entire population? Oh, because the far left says you have to do it? No. You have to go to a summit, you have to have everybody agree. And not the Paris Climate Accord. That would nobody listen to. That was all a bunch of bullshit that we were paying for nothing. But if you believe in climate change, I believe in climate change. I believe the climate's changed a million times. We've had five ice ages and five heat, like three or four where everybody died from heat things. The the, the Earth's been here billions of years. Could it be man-made? Sure, it could be. But if you look in the ice, there was five times more CO2 in the air three billion years ago than there is today. And guess what? There wasn't cars. There wasn't factories. There wasn't any of that. So do I believe it's part of the Earth? Yeah. But... Listen, you, you can't destroy your economy in the name of the far left. Um, I think Elon Musk hit it right on the nose. You think Elon Musk is a right winger? No. He fucking, he was left. He was left. Then they fucking went 80 miles craziness. And now he's like a little bit on the right. And it, it's just not about, you know, and it's, people who listen to the show. they under They understand me, right? I've said it a million times the fucking dem this isn't the democrat party of bill clinton this isn't the democrat party of jfk these people have lost their fucking minds everything is he she him if you don't pronounce pronouns you're a racist if you fucking do whatever you're a fucking racist everybody's you know what when half the country votes one other side you're really alienated half the country you're calling half the country racist Are there racists? Yeah, there's lots of racists. That motherfucker at Buffalo the other day is a racist pig, right? But there was nothing in his manifesto that said, Oh, I'm going to shoot these people up because of Tucker Carlson on Fox News. Like the fucking, like the the left is trying to spread. Or I'm going to... But here, this is what I was trying to tell you guys, is the media manipulates everything, right? The black man... On Christmas, that ran and killed six people in Waukegan, Wisconsin, right? What did the media do? Car accidentally runs over people at parade. Why? Because it was a black man that did it. That doesn't fit their narrative, right? The guy who was black that fucking bombed the New York subway station. They arrested him the next day. You never heard of it, right? It's gone. Same time we had the, the Buffalo shooting last week. Some crazy people, Chinese guy walked into a place, killed six people in Laguna Beach. Uh, a hate crime against Taiwanese people. Where's the media? Crickets. What's What are they pushing? Racist, 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 racist. And the crazy person, 18-year-old who did this, right? So this is what I'm trying to say, is our media pushes a false narrative to... Create their agenda every time before the midterms or before a presidential election, they start a race war. This is what they do. It gets the black people angry. Ninety percent of the thirteen percent of the people that are black in this country, you get fuck Eight percent of them to show up at the polls black. Then that's what they do. They don't care who dies. I mean, I prove it. If you see, you ain't seen nothing yet, right? They are going to get crushed in the midterms. They need to do one thing. They need to do something to turn it around. They have nothing to turn it around. You have my word. They are going to war with Russia, okay? They will do anything for power. What happens when there's war? The country unites. That's their only chance of not getting destroyed in the midterms. We already have soldiers on the ground. They've caught the soldiers on the ground. We are in a pro- We are literally at war with Russia right now. Now, they will say, well, the, all these innocent people are getting killed, and they are. And Putin's a pile of shit, piece of shit. But guess what? There's been less than 5,000. Uh, civilians die in four months. Do you know how many people have died from fentanyl overdose in the United States in four months? Hmm, forty thousand. Okay, where's the forty billion for the forty thousand that have died from fentanyl last year? Hundred seven thousand fentanyl overdoses in the country, all coming across the southern border. Two hundred eighty three thousand are expected to come to the southern border. If they fucking overturn Title 42 in the next week, they're expecting 550,000 people to come across the southern border illegally. That's 6 million a year, right? It's 24 million in four years. Just remember what I've always told you about the election. Yeah? These are all voters. They don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. All they care about is power. And they will start a war with Russia. I'm telling you right now, I'm very, very, very worried about that. And they'll start a race war a month before the, the election, and they'll just propagandize something and call everyone racist and whatever, just like black people are fucking killing white people. White police officers are killing black people, which is there's, the average is between 11 and 13 a year for the last 20 years. But they did a poll, and they asked the Democrats, how many unarmed black people are killed a year? Sixty one percent said over a thousand a year. That's our corrupt media telling that. It's not an it's a non issue. But they politicized it so much with and they just pushed the lie that they get people believing that we live in a racist country. Uh, yeah, it's probably five percent of the country's racist. I mean, crime knows that much, right? But we're we're not talking about that. You know, we're talking about you know they voted for a black fucking president two years in a row. How racist could our country really be? That's all you need to know. So, you know, uh people are sick of being called racist, 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 you know? Or the wokeism and the bullshit and like even Daniel, you know, he's been on the far left since I known him. He he's for free speech. He he's against the wokeism and all the bullshit, you know? And most people are in the center. So we'll see what happens. Uh I don't know if you... believe been, in capitalism. Have any of you guys watched the uh, uh, what's it called? The Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial? I, I forgot yes. to ask Dan. I I didn't get a chance to ask Daniel about that because his wife just watches it every day. And if you watch Daniel's Instagram, he's they're making funny statements about the trial. Man, this is some funny... I mean, this is really comical. I mean, this is... If you want entertainment, just go that. watch four or five hours a day of the whole trial and I mean, this Johnny Depp, he's he's hysterical, man. I mean, the things he says, you know, pretty amazing. Anyways, I'm gonna watch uh, basketball. I'm gonna watch hockey. Come in, are, Danny. Are you gonna be here next weekend or what? I mean, uh, I think so. I mean, how rich are you? You just get to just travel the whole fucking country every fucking weekend. It's not the country. It's I mean, what the fuck, man? It must be nice to just leave. Town. What gas costs like two hundred dollars a fucking trip four hundred round trip, I mean, how rich are you, man? Exactly. All right, so you'll be here next week. World Series I think starts on Monday. Uh let's do a podcast next Friday and we'll give away we'll give away points to my ten Ks and above. Uh who knows? Maybe I'll give away a point to the fifty thousand. Ooh let's see if I'm gonna give. let's see how I do this week at poker. Right now I'm up like I think I'm 12,000 a winner for the week. See how I do this week in poker. Maybe we'll give away some more. Um, if you haven't joined my home game, $250 in chips for $200. Email mouthpoker at yahoo.com. One, two PLO, one, two, no limit every day. That's it. Another episode of the Mouse Pete. I hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate Mr. D- Mr. D Negs, Danny Negrana for coming on. Uh, we're going to battle this summer. I I, I believe me and him are going to win one, maybe two. Uh, He's in a good frame of mind. He's playing good. I'm in the best mind, fucking frame of mind in my, maybe my whole life. I'll see you all next week at the Mouthpiece. Tune in. Try give you a chance to win 1% of at least five of my 10Ks, maybe more. We'll see you next Friday on the Mouthpiece. Thank you.
1: The mouthpiece.